Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Jay Scott from the Hook Rocks, and you're listening to the Shout It Out Loudcast, the ultimate KISS podcast. All the information you need, you got the passion, you got the discussion, and you got Tom and Zeus. Check them out. Kiss Army. It's Tom and Zeus with another episode of Shout It Out Loudcast. We're up to episode 67. We're calling this one Joey Casada. Tommy, what the hell do you think this one's about? We're about to find out, aren't we, people? Yeah. Um, so without further ado. Joey Casada. Joey, how the hell are you doing today? Woo, what's up, boys? Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the show, listen all the time. Uh, I, I even listen to the Chris Jericho episode. So <laughs> even after that debacle, I'm going to stay on with you guys. Well, thank you, Joey. We're, we're, uh, we're excited to have you here. This is awesome to have you. And I'll tell you right now, the timing is uncanny and completely unplanned to have you on right after having Jericho back-to-back weeks. <laughs> It seems suspiciously planned that way, but I'll take it anyway. It was not. I, I it was not because the way the Jericho <laughs> came on perfectly because we wanted to do our Kiss Bracket tournament wrap up episode, and he happened to be available, and you were already scheduled. It was just perfect timing. Perfect timing. Usually yeah, he, he usually he follows me, but I'll take it this time. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah, and this has been a long time coming. We've been talking with Joey for quite some time about getting him on. Um, he is a busy man, and we've had a few things in the works, so we're excited to have him on. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to get to, and uh, let's uh, let's first find out what the hell everybody's doing uh, during this uh, fun time at home. Joey, what have you been up to? Believe it or not, I love it. I mean, I know there's a crisis out there. I know there's a pandemic going on, but I'm having a great time. I love being home with my family. I love being home with the kids, playing drums with the kids every day playing Dungeons and Dragons with the kids, reading comics. Get those nerds! Nerd! Nerd! Obviously doing schoolwork and stuff too, but I, you know, I'm so busy all the time, whether it's teaching or on the road or, or doing whatever I'm doing, I don't get to spend as much time as I'd love to spend with my family. So this time really gives me the opportuni- opportunity to embrace every moment that, w- that I have with them. So I- I'm loving it. The only thing I'm missing is sports. Yankees, by the way, baby. Oh, here we go. See, for for everybody who may not be familiar with this, (laughs) we have our first Italian New Yorker 
on the show <laughs> and he's here talking to two Bostonian Red Sox fans. So we don't know where this is going to go, but, but anyways, back to, back to what you were saying. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel the same way. You know, I think we're trying to take everything in stride. Um, it is what it is. We're all trying to deal with it in our own way. And for people that are at home with, with kids or, you know, whether you're with, you know, doing whatever it is, what it is, try to make the best of the situation that we have. So it sounds like you are definitely doing that with your kids and having some fun. And, uh, and, you know, and that's a, that's a good way to take a, you know, an, an uncomfortable negative situation and putting some kind of positive spin for you and your family. Yeah. Um, great pictures. I, I obviously like all of us, we follow you're very active on social media. Um, your family is, you have a beautiful family. They obviously take after their mom. Um, (laughs) you have some good looking kids. Um, and they're very talented on the drums. Very good. I don't know where they picked that up from. Are they getting lessons from someone? What honestly, believe it or not? No, it's amazing. They, they, I've never shown either one of them anything. And I'm, and, and I, I teach hundreds of kids all the time, all week long. And, I, I know, I'm a firm believer is that if you don't ask for something, I'm not, I'm not going to volunteer, especially my own kids, because I don't want to force it down their throat. I want them to enjoy what they're doing. So as I'm down in my studio and I'm playing or, or recording or jamming or something, they're just down here with me. And it's amazing. Like my daughter, who's 10, just picks it up. She understands rhythm. She just sat behind my drum set one day and just started playing. And I was blown away. So I said, okay, I have, you know, way too many drum sets. So I took one of my, my other drum sets, set it up for her. And we literally just started jamming one day. And then one, I, I came down another day, my daughter was playing and I heard another drummer playing and it was my son playing on my drum set. So now I have three drum sets set up down, down in my studio and we all jam together. It's amazing. My son is five. I've literally never showed either one of them anything. They just watch me. They feel rhythm and they just play. That's awesome, man. That is amazing. That's very cool. Good for you. That's awesome. Absolutely. Um, so anything, uh, Oh, before we get into that, I just want to give you a quick tidbit. Um, in 2004, Tommy came with me at season tickets to the Red Sox. We got to see your Yankees beat the shit out of the Red Sox to the point me and him were like, that's it. We're never going to like the Red Sox again. It was game three. I, I know. Hold on. That? I know. I it really was, don't remember this series. Can we move ahead, please? It was game three and the Yankees oh, I, won. I, I don't remember. I think, I think it was 19 to, yeah. yeah. And I remember Zeus and I walked out of that stadium. <laughs> we were ready to friggin' jump in front of traffic on, on Lanton's down street. And then we all know what happened after that. So the Boston Red Sox earned this celebration here at Yankee stadium with the biggest comeback in postseason baseball history. That's yeah. when Pedro said, uh, the Yankees are my daddy, I think, right? Yeah. I think that might have been it. Yeah. Yes, correct. And that's all I remember. I, bl- I blacked out for a little while after that. I don't remember what happened. <laughs> was that before or after the Kareem Garcia incident? You remember that one, Tommy? <laughs> yes. Oh. So what? Who are you? Who are you, Kareem Garcia, to tell, try to test Pedro Martinez, a proven player for, for 10 years? Those are golden times. Um, so... What's going on in Kiss World right now, Tom? Anything? Well, obviously nothing. I uh, we, we say this each episode, and I'm sure Joey has seen a lot of it on what's going on with some of the awesome videos that Paul Stanley's putting out. Uh, the, I say it every t- every week, but the, I'm a huge fan of what Bruce Kulick is doing and his uh, his wonderful wife, 
Uh, Lisa, she's jumping in and singing some songs, but Bruce has been just on an unbelievable tear. He's been on a, uh, on a revenge tear doing like his riff of the day or whatever he calls it. Uh, today we're recording on Thursday, uh, the 16th of April. And he was just doing a little lesson on spit from revenge, terribly underappreciated song. Cause I love everything on that album. Um, but in terms of kiss stuff, there was another very unusual video that people were really getting into last week. And it was the most <laughs> a very, very odd combination of Paul Stanley speaking with Richard Marks. Zeus, you want to talk about that a little bit yeah, there? I, I thought it was fun. I, I don't know. Did you catch it, Joey? I, I have it saved. I didn't watch it yet. I, I And believe it or not, I'm a huge Richard Marks fan. I know that might be ridiculous, no, but he is phenomenal. Some of his songs and albums across the years are Incredible. So I'm a I'm anxious to watch the interview. I did see something about something with Paul Stanley commenting on Steven Tyler. Tell me what happened. All right. So um, at one point they were talking about voices and Paul obviously hedges and he talks about, you know, if you want to so- hear what I sounded like on a live, then go pick up a live. And then he says, like, you know, I can't sing like I did 20 years ago. And he says, people my age, other singers we talk about, hey, how are you, you know, getting by? Are you doing this? If I knew I was going to sing in this key as I got older, I would have sung it in a different key when I started. And then he was like that joking was about it. And then Richard Marks brought up, I don't think he knew. It's like, yeah, like Uh-oh. some singers, like, I am so amazed. Like Steven Tyler. Oh, my God. He's so <laughs> wonderful. And he's like to Paul. And Paul's just like. It just sat there, awkward silence. And if well, <laughs> whoa, it, it was so uncomfortable. The other guy whose voice, no matter how old he gets, just continues to be magnificent and kick-ass is fucking Steven Tyler. Um. Well, <laughs> really, is this going to be our first fight? <laughs> no, we're both laughing. Um, let's talk about Rod Stewart. Okay. It was just, it just sat there. Well, see the thing, the thing about that, that shows that Richard Marks may not be 100% familiar with the sensitivities of Paul Stanley. Listen to me. I was very hurt today because you cannot, you cannot say something like that to Paul Stanley, whether it's an interview or a conversation or whatever, because as we all know, we all love Paul. We all, but his insecurities and his sensitivities, especially if you're talking about another vocalist and somebody as iconic as Steven Tyler, I, it didn't surprise me to see Paul Stanley kind of give him the silent treatment for a few seconds, but it was a little awkward for sure. But uh, yeah, kind of a weird, kind of a weird thing. When I saw it on social media, I'm like, Richard Marks talking to Paul Stanley. All right. Uh, you know, whatever. I guess it is what it is. But now, yeah. Joey, have you seen the videos that we're talking about with Bruce Kulick doing some of his riffs and Paul Stanley and stuff like that? Yeah, of course. I mean, the the two Paul, I think Paul did what? Two only, right? I think he did a very short one at the beginning, and I think he's trying to do a couple longer ones. I haven't seen one in about a week or so. Yeah, I love that stuff. I think artists should be doing more of that. Again, you know, it's everyone has their own priorities and, and their own schedule and stuff, but people are fiending right now for any kind of entertainment. And I mean, even listen to you guys, probably people are probably listening to you guys now, right? Yeah, even that. Yes, even that. People are so bored. They're like, oh, all right, fine. 
But I mean, I would love to see, you know, I talk about this all the time. I would love to see Kiss in general doing more of this stuff. Release more of this, release some stuff while people are going crazy fiending for footage and interviews or recordings or demos, whatever it is. Release some of this stuff, whether it's via YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, whatever it is. Release the hounds! Give us some content. Throw You guys, can't, they can't with their management and their whole team together with Keith Aru and stuff. They can't come up with one or two things a week just to throw online to say, hey, KISS fans, we've never seen this before or heard this before. Take a glance at this. We're going to give you this while we're not on tour right now. I want to come in and just give it all. I want to show you what I'm capable of. And if you go to kissonline.com, <laughs> exactly. you, can get, you can get the Peter Chris edition, where Peter will hand deliver you this performance and rake your leaves. <laughs> but that's what drives me crazy. I don't want the fucking dress to kill red vinyl. I don't want yeah, it. Thank you. Who the thank hell you. wants it? That's my partner I mean, I wants it. I, my I, partner I just, wants it. Steve want it. from Part of in Hell wants it. There's a few of I mean, them. Listen. Don't get me wrong. I know the kiss the kiss crazies are going to kill me on this, but I'm just as much a kiss crazy as everyone that's listening. That's not what I want. I want footage. I want behind the scenes footage. I want recording sessions. I want demos. I want unreleased tracks or like Bruce Bruce is doing, which is killer, coming on and just giving us riffs and stuff like that. Give us some stuff. Where the hell is Gene? Do some exactly. stuff from home. Who cares what it is? People are, are starving for footage. This is Gene Simmons from Kiss. <laughs> I'm home doing nothing. No, but Joey, you're right. I said this before when we were talking about uh, a Paul doing his stuff. I'm like, where is Gene? And I'm convinced that Paul and Gene locked Tommy and Eric in a closet until the tour starts <laughs> back up. Because where are they? Like, like you're right. I mean, like, like, like everybody wants some kind of content, even, even, even the stuff that Bruce does, it's only about, you know, 10 minutes, maybe not even five minutes, but it's cool stuff. It's a little bit behind the scenes and it, and, it, and it's, it's making people remember who, that they're out there, you know, entertaining. Hey, Tommy, do you, do you I want to bring up one thing that you brought up. I heard you talk about, uh, when you had an appearance on PRC, wasn't I talking about this <clears throat> before Joey, um, a kiss app. Yep. And we, and we, we Simmons, five bucks a month, five bucks a month. Kiss app, all the videos, all the dim. Every once in a while, put some new content on there. How many people do you think kiss could get as members for five bucks a month? And that's just universal. Their grandkids will be making that money. Yeah. Constantly. Dude, not, not even all the videos first. You, you, you slowly. Yeah. Put some stuff on. Dude, right now, I forget. I think Gene posted a tweet of his, like, favorite cereals in his cupboard the other day. I saw that. How many people, if Gene posted a video, a live footage of Gene eating a bowl of cereal, <laughs> wouldn't we all tune in like morons? <laughs> yes. We'd all tune in. We, and we, we would did. love it. We, we would did. love it. When he did his cereal, remember? His kid had the cereal and stuff. We all tuned in to watch it. We would love that stuff. That's what I'm saying. Even listen, of course, I think monetary wise, they, they should be capitalizing on apps and streaming services and all that. I think they're mi totally missing the boat on that stuff. But in this in this day and age with the with the uh, virus going around and everyone being in quarantine, 
Just give us a little taste to wet our beak. Michael, your friends we should get for 40 years. We should wet our beaks a little. We want to do business with you, Michael. That's right. Anything just to keep us interested in the Kiss brand and the Kiss name. Anything. Even when Paul used to post videos or not videos, pictures of like stuff from the warehouse that he was going through. You know that they have stuff in their house. Show a video of going through an old box, even if it's staged. So what? Open up an old box and Paul will pull out his, uh, let's put the X in sex jacket or so, something ridiculous. You know what I mean? Something stupid. And it could be literally five minutes. It doesn't matter. It's it's going to drive viewership. It's going to boost all the, the, the notoriety and all of the, the um, awareness that KISS has while this is going on. I just don't understand why they're not doing more. Yeah. We've said we've said similar things to that before, even before the, the virus and the shutdown is that they're not for all the marketing that that they can do with some of the silliness and some of the items. Silly, silly. They are not good at grabbing hold of captive audiences in younger crowds and younger generations. And right now, if you can't take advantage of the most captive audience that the <laughs> world has ever seen by what we have right now, where people are craving content at in general i have people at, at people texting me hey any new shows i've pretty much like run out of shows or any any good movies have you seen lately something like zeus said if i correct me if i'm wrong you guys are are much more into wrestling than i am but doesn't Woo! but doesn't wwe have a have like a streaming channel yeah 9.99 <laughs> okay so yeah you're gonna tell like you said so there's one of two reasons why either they, they they're too lazy, they don't care enough to do it, or we've talked about this before. Maybe Paul doesn't want people to hear what he used to sound like because I don't want I don't want to believe that they're stupid. Maybe they're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Now I, I again I think I said this somewhere else. I don't I think people give them more credit than we should. And what right. I mean by that is everyone thinks Kiss is marketing geniuses. Oh my God, they're marketing geniuses. They're really not. They, of course, what they do, they do really well. Everyone wants to go see them on tour. Everyone buys their records and stuff. But if you really think about it, especially since the reunion, and it really, I mean, that's when their peak hit again, and maybe forever. That, I mean, they might have never been at a, a more uh, pinnacle than that of their success. They've really not released anything to the public they've tried a few records they've tried a few dvds and stuff like that but i really believe they're they're missing the boat on so much stuff and and it's all about management and they've had so many people over the years and again i've toured i toured with them for three months straight i was with them every day i talked to them every day gene i had lunch with almost every single day on that tour i know how these guys think they don't think like us they're different people. They've been millionaires since they're in their mid-20s, and they've had yes-men around them their whole lives that people want to be around them, and they will agree with everything they say rather than having a, a creative mind and a person that's willing to take chances, take control of their business and say, here's what we're doing today. Here's what we're doing this month. Here's how to drive the, drive the, the note home. They don't need it because obviously they're all millionaires. They don't need it. So they don't they don't have that drive that they should have anymore and that marketing drive that they should have. So they're missing the boat on so much stuff just because they're not thinking of it, not because Paul's nervous about his voice or Gene's doing this. I, I think we give them too much credit. 
You, yeah, you might be right. That's per, it's perfectly said. You might be right. They, they, they're they're in such a bubble that they're not. Yes. They don't. They don't understand that 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 there's people like us who want this. They don't get it. Zeus, go ahead. I think what what another aspect, and I've heard you say this before, Joey, is that they prefer you shell out the money, and if you come up with a great idea, we'll allow you to put our logo on it, and just and you can take a small percentage. And thanks for the risk. So I would have to develop the app. Come with this game plan, all this marketing, spend this money, and be like, look, here's the, what you can do. We can do this, this, and this, and that, and you'll make millions of dollars. Great, thanks. We'll give you 10%, and we're going to run with it. And you're like, uh, okay. So you are, you are 100% right. KISS waits for licenses to come to them. And again, because I'm in the business, I, I, I know all this stuff. KISS waits for some – because that way you never lose money. You yeah. never invest money. You never have right. to – start a business or do anything even like the la kiss and all that stuff with the arena league and rock and brews do you think gene and paul put money into that of course not no. they were paid a license and whatever amount of dollar they were guaranteed here's one million dollars to use the kiss logo on our football helmets and we're going to call the brand kiss L- what, what was it kiss la what LA, was it LA, la kiss la kiss and Blah, blah, blah. Plus, we'll give you X amount percentage of the profits. That way, when it fails, which it did, they don't lose anything. They're already ahead. But yeah. they don't realize it, it in the long run, it diminishes your brand in that way. And, exactly. and you have failure after failure after failure rather than, you know, they're, they're like in between. They don't, they're, they're not big enough to have Disney and these big corporations come to them and say, we want you on our streaming service. We're going to, we want blah, blah, blah. We're going to do this for you. But they're not small enough that they should be doing all this stupid licensing product. They should be running the show themselves and or with doc or other management in the, in the media business that says, here's what we got to do here. Let's be proactive, pump 5 million into this. And in 10 years, you're going to get 35 million. And I just think that they think they're too big for their britches. Yeah. Well said. So, well said. Um, we can have Joey on to talk kiss and uh, obviously on any subject matter, right? <laughs> um, good Lord. Um, so, but the reason we do have you on at first is to talk about your book. Start with a dream. I'm holding it up. It's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, what's <laughs> war in peace here? Well, according, uh, to, according to Jericho, there's 17,000 pages. in it. <laughs> So Joey was kind enough to send me the book when I got it. I, I was like, holy fuck. I'm going to have to read all this. Holy shit. But <laughs> I will say very well spaced, very quick read tons of pictures. It goes by rather quickly. Um, I enjoyed it. I I've been singing its praises for weeks upon weeks. Um, Tommy finished the book as well. Um, and I wanted to go through with, with you, Joey, and, and, to, and we're lucky to have you on to go through a lot of the stuff that's in this book and ask you questions about it. Um, and we're excited to have you. Yeah, I, Dude, I, 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 I just finished the book today. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I, I have read, I have a massive library of, of rock bios. I love, I love, 
um, general music books, uh, books on uh, specific bands, artists, etc. I have read some terrific ones. I have read some ones that I it was a drudge drudgery to get through them. And I will say <laughs> this, this this is this is so well put together, and it's and it's it's written by somebody who really believes every word that's in the book and, and, and is so thankful for everything that happened to them in the book. Um, the, like, like as Zeus had mentioned before, there's some unbelievably funny, exciting, uh, unexpected emotional sections of this book that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and it is just an unbelievable read to see the journey from you as a little five-year-old kiss fan, until present day. And, um, I applaud you on the book. I loved it. I flew through it and to read big books like this, I'm a reader, but to fly through big books, sometimes I, I put the book down and I don't come back to it. This was terrific. Um, even my son was like, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm reading. He's like, but usually you read when you're in bed at night. I'm like, I know, but I want to read this book. Cause I was sitting in the living room reading and he's never, I never do that with any book. Um, it was just a terrific book, and I wanted, I just want to give you some applause for that, Joey. It was very very well made, and uh, we're going we're gonna to get into it. Guys, thank you. Really, thank you so much. I, I don't want to scare people away by the page count. What I did no, not at all. <laughs> what, and, and what I did purposely was I included so many photos and so many behind-the-scenes clips of my band and touring with Kiss and and you know just stories through my life and even the spacing of the book with, with the words – as we're getting older, that little print and that little, you know, it, this this small one space um, printing, it's harder to read. So if you if if this was a, a a regular book that was released by whether it was Paul Stanley, like if this was Paul Stanley's book, the way he laid it out, it would only be about three hundred and seventy five pages. And the hardcover, believe it or not, I did reformat because Barnes and Nobles needed me to reformat it for some reason. And it really only is 380 pages. So it's the same book and it's it's a regular size book. It's what I've heard from people and my favorite compliments on Amazon and from barnesandnobles.com and, and iTunes is that it's a really it's a big book, but it's a fast read. It's an easy read. It's a comfortable yep. read. And the best thing that I've heard is it feels like me and you are in a bar hanging out and I'm telling you stories. And that's exactly yep. what I wanted. I'm not a writer. I've never written a book in my whole en entire life. Obviously. I mean, most people have never written a book and I had no idea how I was going to do it. So what I did was I just started writing down stories. Like I speak, how would I tell you a story? If me and you were together, what would I say? And I would literally just write that down. And that's how I began writing this book and how I finished it. It just was me talking to the pages and I really had no intention of almost releasing it at first. I had my, my original intention was I wanted all of these stories written down one day for my kids to read, whether it was 20 years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever it was, both of my parents, unfortunately are gone. They've passed away. My grandparents are gone. They're passed away. I, I can't talk to them about their lives. So I, I wanted to have something on paper that said, here's my life. Some of it was really fun. Some of it was really hard. But I want you always to remember to believe in something and, and follow whatever dream you have. So I really wrote it for my kids. And then as I started sending like clips and stuff to my old bandmates and friends and like goofy stories that I wrote in the book, everyone was like, this is so much fun. Why don't you release this? I said, ah, 
who the hell is going to buy this? You know, a couple, you know, ZO2 fans, Xerox fans, you know, I got a couple, maybe a thousand, a couple thousand, maybe max. But then all of a sudden, I, I reached number one on Amazon the first few weeks that I released it. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And believe it or not, people started gravitating more towards the childhood stories of me growing up in the 80s and visiting record stores and how you found out who was playing where at what concerts and what arenas. And it was almost like a, a childhood trip for people our age, you know, in our 40s and 50s and stuff like that. So it became more, a, more of a book than I ever realized it could have been. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a fun read. And the thing, too, it's a feel good story, too. It's a, it's a real life story. There was there's tragedy, there's success, there's happiness, there's disappointment, there's anger. There's so even if you may not even let's just say that even if you're not a music fan, even if you're not a Joey Casada fan, which is impossible, how can you not be a Joey Casada fan? It, it's just an it's a it's a good read and there's not a lot of those kind of books out there you know you can go and read the dirt by motley crew and hear stories about nikki six half dead from heroin and all that stuff those books are terrific this is not that book this is kissel and and that's not what you want when you when you all the time it's 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 a you know i don't i don't want to sound like we're uh we're kissing our our guests ass even though he did demand that we do that tonight so but uh <laughs> But uh, I, I highly rec I highly recommend the book. I just I just can't stress enough. It's it's a it's a fun read. We're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into the details. I know Zeus has a couple things he wants to get into before we jump into the book, and we're gonna do that. Yeah, no, I, I said the same thing to uh, I, I echo Tom's sentiments. For me, Joey, I'm not gonna lie to you. I told you I think originally, who the fuck is Zrock? Who the fuck is Zo Two? I've heard you on a couple of the podcasts. I'm like, you know, and I know. Hats off to you, buddy. You're a charming fella. You're a likable character. I didn't ask you what characters you had. I didn't ask you to go into all that. I don't know how your book is going to be, but I wanted to get you on to talk about Kiss. You were kind enough to send me the book. I didn't know what I was going to get into. So what was the best part of this book? And I don't know if I can say that, hey, everybody that buys this book will have this luxury, is reading this book. And Tom, I was texting him yep. throughout the book. Like, holy <laughs> shit, this is happening. And he'd be responding back to me. It's and I didn't know what's like. I know the finished product. I know who Joey is now. I didn't know all this shit. The road he traveled to get to the Joey I met now. I didn't know all the characters that pop in and out of his life. I didn't know what happened to Z Rock. I didn't know how many albums you know ZO2 did. I didn't know about his other bands. I didn't know what it was like when he was on tour with Kiss. But I got to read about him, ask him questions. That's a luxury I'll probably never get because if I read somebody else's book, I'll probably know the story. But I didn't know really his story. So all of a sudden, I, you know, on Spotify, there's uh, ZO2. All of a sudden, every episode on, on Joey's YouTube uh, page, which you guys should all check out, what is under SATA Entertainment? Yes, it is. Yeah, go over there to YouTube. Um, I, I watched every episode of Z-Rock. I watched all his episodes and his little clips of uh, Joey Licious. I got into it. You're rooting for the guy, despite like, you know him being an annoying bastard at times. <laughs> you root for him. There are three moments in this book that I'll talk to you about that made brought tears to my eyes. There are other times where I fucking like I'm like cheering like Rocky. I 
made me climb the stairs and climbing stairs isn't my forte these days, <laughs> but I felt like I was Rocky climbing the stairs with you. And there are other stuff that make me angry. There are stuff in the book that made me like, dude, you, I wish I was your lawyer back then. There are other stuff that we talked about along the way. It's I, again, I can't say enough. So Joey, one of the things we always do is we have Murph questions named after Tommy's roommate Murph. And these are some five questions about kiss. Pretty simple. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Favorite KISS member. Woo! Uh, Off the top of my head, I'm going to go with Eric Carr. Nice. Favorite Kiss song? Jesus Christ! Again, these are things that change weekly, today, or right daily, now. or Week- hourly. I'm gonna go Love Gun. Yeah. Favorite Kiss album? I mean, my favorite album of all time. If you're asking regular album or studio album, my re- my favorite album of all time is Kiss Alive Two. Oh yes. What if, if you had a, if you had if you had to pick a studio album? Studio album again. It goes. It changes daily. But right now, I'll say Rock and Roll Over. Yeah. Um, how many Kiss concerts have you been to? Woo. That doesn't I mean, count because it's on tour with them. But right, how many? That's, that's, right. that's a crazy question because I did tour with them. So with the tour, I've probably been to maybe 80. Jeez. Um, favorite Kiss memory? This should be easy for you, Joey. 
Yeah, believe it or not, I, it's 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 really close because I it, like we talked about before in my book. There's two memories that that come to mind. It's the first time I saw Kiss in 1979 on the Dynasty tour. I was five years old, and it was experience experiencing the first time that I was on the road with Kiss, touring with them, my first show with them. So I would have to put them equal right now. Yeah, gotcha. it's, it, you're right. It's hard to pick. Those are two very hard, like, yep. unbelievable things. Yeah, and great parts in the book as well. Yep. Yeah. All right, Tom. Uh, you feeling kind of sexy over there? It's always it's always a sexy time, and when you add somebody like Joey in here, I mean, how how can you just not feel you know a, a little bit excited here? You know, he's getting close, he's kissing the camera, but but we want our audience to know you've been listening for a couple weeks here. We, we, we got some, you know it's a quarantine. You're in your house. Maybe you can go online and 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 make, take care of some of that you know extra time you have. Okay, free stuff is awesome. But free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Select any one item for 50% off, then adamandeve.com loads on the free stuff. Use offer code LOUDCAST at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts, a sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy, and six free spicy movies and free shipping. That's promo code loudcast at adamandeve.com. And I can see Joey feverishly writing down that information. <laughs> I think oh, I forgot I think you forgot to say Zeus hand delivers anything too, right? <laughs> you have to pay extra for that. <laughs> Perfect. Nice. Um so basically in chapter one, you bring up the first thing that comes to mind for me in this book is this running theme of frozen moments. Do you want to tell us what that's about? It's funny. It's, it's something that I didn't even realize was happening throughout my life until I started writing this book. I knew there were these moments that always happened throughout my life that, that I reflect back on that I really could breathe in the moment. And whether, you know, whether you say, smell the flowers, take a moment to smell the flowers, whatever it is, in, in my life, there are these moments that I really feel that I can freeze time. And whether it's for a second, whether it's for 20 seconds, whether it's for a minute, I freeze the moment and I can just suck that moment in and breathe for 20 seconds or so or whatever that moment calls for. And I can just see that moment for what it is, whether it's seeing Kiss for the first time at, at Madison Square Garden in 1979 or laying on the couch with my kids and giving my son his bottle for the first time. There's, there are these moments that happen to me and I, 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 and it's not something you can plan or not something you, you can script out. They happen throughout my life and I can I feel myself take a deep breath and I just can see the moment almost outside of my body for a few seconds. And it, it's so weird and it, it's so hard to describe. And it was one of the hardest things that I had to write in the book that it, I, I didn't know how to describe it. And I'm not even sure if I described it well or not. Maybe this is better than even the book. I'm not sure if I ever really could figure out a way to describe what I was talking about. But there are these moments in my life that I can stop and freeze time and just relish the moment and appreciate what's going on for a few seconds. Yeah. 
you did describe it well. You know why you described it well? Because I have those similar things. And that's why right from the get-go, I got hooked in this book when I saw that. And mine are always something negative. <laughs> so <laughs> I would so good. explain it to you. I'll give you a perfect example. There I am, game six, Bruins versus Blackhawks. Bruins are up by a goal. Game six in the Stanley Cup Finals. Holy shit, Blackhawks tied it with a minute to go. Next thing you know, they dump the puck in, shot, rebound, shot, score. With 17 seconds left to go. The building goes quiet. In my mind, I freeze everything. Like, this isn't happening. Wake up. Don't worry. You're sleeping. This isn't happening. This is not going on. It's fake. You're, everything's frozen. We're going to take this back. I know exactly what you mean. Anytime something bad like that in sports or something <laughs> happens or anything like that, take it back. Nope, this isn't real. You're asleep. You're going to get out of this. And that frozen moment is something that instinctually, for me, like, I know what you're talking about. I, I, I can feel it. Like, you think you can manipulate something to keep this moment from either happening or not happening. Tom? Yeah, Joe, you, you, you did explain it perfectly, and I think everybody... Everybody knows what, what we're talking about now, whether you've read the book or not, because, you know, whether it's like you said, a kiss show or, or something involving your children or anything like that, like whether it's positive or, or negative, you, you, you know, when one of those moments is kind of occurring in real time. You know, it's when everything, it, it's when everything is either just so amazing that's happening in front of you that, you know, and, and sometimes it's tricky to stop and do that and, and, and freeze it, you know, but you know, those moments. And, um, I think that was just a great way to kind of kick off the book and, and, and bookend it too, not to give too much away from the book, but using that terminology and, 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 and that phrasing there was, uh, was, was a great way to kick it off because we, we get it. Yeah. You would got an A in English. <laughs> I love so much that you guys say that too, because it's so funny when, especially because this is my first book, I was contemplating taking all of that stuff out of the book. Oh, Meaning God, no. I, I didn't know if people would understand what I was talking about. And, and like you said, it really starts the book and, and, and bookends the book too. And there was a point where I was, where I was editing the book and believe it or not, I did edit the book. It was bigger <laughs> than it even is now. And there were there were points where I almost took some of that stuff out because I didn't un, I didn't know if people would understand. And then I, and then I finally said, after writing all these pages of my whole life, I said, you know what? I've been so honest throughout this whole book of everything I feel. I'm going to leave it in. And if people don't get it, whatever, they don't get it. And if, if three people do get it, then that's all that matters. Yeah, I, I mean, we got it. And it's a nice running theme. <laughs> So I was saying you're going to get an A in literature. Um, you saw Kiss when you were five years old. You didn't know why you were fixated on hot dogs, apparently. <laughs> but you were fixated also on Peter Chris, whose shirt I'm wearing. Um, what was it about Kiss seeing them? And how awesome was it that your mom took you to see it? Well, that's funny. My, my book opens literally with, with me walking into Madison Square Garden, not knowing anything about why I was going there. I had no idea why I was walking into Madison Square Garden. I was walking in with my mom, my dad, my brother, and my brother was a Kiss fan at the time. And I, I think I knew we were going to see Kiss, but I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't, I have no idea what that even meant at that time. I had no 
image in my brain. I had nothing. So I was a chubby kid. Don't pay any attention to those fools, lardass. <laughs> you know, that was five years old. And if, if anyone's ever been to Madison Square Garden or, or any arena or concert, you know there's hot dog stands and pretzel stands and stuff outside. So I was most excited about getting my hot dog and, <laughs> and, and walking in. I, I didn't care where we were going. I was getting my hot dog and I was thrilled. So I got my hot dog literally right, as, right before we walked in. And I'm eating my hot dog. And as we're walking in, I see thousands and thousands of people walking around. And it's the first big event that I've ever been to. So I really had no, I didn't have my bearings. I didn't know anything that was going on around me. I, I couldn't really comprehend what was happening. And as I'm walking in again, eating my hot dog, I, you know, I see merch and stuff. I kind of see the image of the makeup and it kind of vaguely takes me back to some commercials and stuff I've seen, but I still didn't care or know why I was there. And then when I went, entered the arena through the back, the black curtain, you know, I we got to our seats and, you know, I smelled this weird smell, which was now that I know is marijuana and stuff like that. <laughs> and I'm still, I'm still eating my hot dog and I'm kind of excited because everyone is excited, but I really have no idea what's going on. And then all of a sudden, you know, you wanted the best, you got the best, the hottest band in the world, Kiss, and the explosions went off. And I was captivated for the next hour and 45 minutes. Like I probably have never been since. And I don't know why. And I, and I really can't even explain it because I was five years old. So my, my, my memory is still a little foggy from it because I was so excited, but the combination of music and I was way up in the bad seats in Madison square garden. So I could barely see the, the band. There was no video screens and stuff like kids have today. So but I could vaguely see these characters on stage doing their own thing and hearing this crazy loud sound. And the thing that I felt the most pounding in my chest was the bass drum of the drums. So that kind of what hooked me the most. And then towards the end of the concert, when Peter Chris rose to the top of the arena oh. and these fireworks were going off around him and this big cat drop was, was underneath him. It was like a giant spaceship taking off. And I said, oh, my God, this is what I, I have. I don't even know if I said it to myself, but I just felt it. That's what I have to do for the rest of my life. And I and I was changed for forevermore. And 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 what even made it more unbelievable. And you may not even obviously you were five, but it was the dynasty tour. Oh, wouldn't you give anything to have gone, go back right now and tell your five-year-old self what you're seeing, that there was the dynasty tour with those costumes and that, and, 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 and we're, we're, we're about the same age. Okay. So, yeah. you know, not, not that I want to make this about me, but just in terms of relating. Zeus, hold on. Oh, Zeus looks a lot older than us. Is this true? Uh, well, Zeus is about 60, 65. <laughs> I'm 46. You asshole. <laughs> So we're about the, we're about the same age. So my, 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 yeah, exactly. You know, he's keeping track now. Um, and I, and I, re I remember, you know, again, I don't want to make this about me, but I remember what my, my experience with, with seeing kiss for the first time was seeing my cousin's stack of records and seeing the, the, the cover of love gun. And, and I remember, you know, it wasn't obviously wasn't the band on stage, but it was like, holy shit, what is happening? What? What's happening, hot stuff? Is happening here. I have to, I have to, this has to be my life. And that was 42 years ago, and here we are now. 
Yeah. Yeah, mine was, I talked about that my crazy cousin Mike, older cousin Mike, had the spirit of 76 on his wall. And I'd go visit him, like, what the hell is this? Who are these guys? And then he's like, you got to listen to Next thing I know, uh, I've, I went through it all. The Kiss cards, the Kiss records. Our parents were buying me records. And yep. my brother records. Like, Kiss records. Them bleeding all over the place. Like, five, six years old. What the hell parent would buy them that? And... You know, but we went through that phase. So that's why another great part about this is we're we're in the same age group. You're seeing this around the same time. You're falling in love with them around the same time. And it just continues. The other thing that I found fascinating is Double Platinum was your first album? Yes, it was. It was, like I said, right, as soon as I left that Kiss concert, I was captivated. I needed more immediately, pre-immediately. <laughs> so when we got home... We, you know, my brother was five years older than me at that time. So he was 10 going on 11 and he already had a few Kiss albums because that's really why we were there because he was a fan and he had the album Double Platinum. And I think he had a couple others at that point, but I don't even remember what they were. But that's the one, you know, as I'm looking through his records, this thing was glowing like the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. Vincent, we happy? Yeah, we happy. And I was like, holy shit, what is this thing? And I pulled it out and I said, my brother's name is Dan. I said, Dan, please, can I can I play this? Can I use it? Can I have it? And he, he let me have it. And he literally just gave it to me. And I went in my room and I played that record over and over and over again until, you know, it was just bleeding out of my ears. I couldn't get enough of it. And the images that I was getting from the concert, from that platinum album that 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 all those images on that album and those sounds that were coming off of my record player when i was five six years old now at this point i was losing literally losing my mind i couldn't get enough of it double platinum was the first album because i took my i took my cousin's love gun record and i actually have it framed in the basement it's probably the holy grail of the original pressing 1977 love gun and then I got for Christmas, I was five years old, I got that double platinum, that silver, that, that gatefold with, you know, with the embossed faces. I still have that. And, and you're right. You, you, all you wanted to do was consume more Kiss, whether it was the music, the merchants. Some, and, and like you said at the beginning of this episode, it's what we want now. We still want to consume Kiss. And yeah. uh, it, it's, just, it's just awesome to hear these stories. You know, it's just, it, I love it. Yeah, I tell I've told the story before too. For me, uh, Kiss. I don't know what was my first album, but I will tell you that Kiss. When I had my own money, the first CD I ever bought when I started buying CDs was Double Platinum because I thought I was smarter than everybody because there's 20 songs <laughs> and I'm paying the same price as people of buying course. albums for 10. And yep. Double Platinum was the first CD I ever bought. Yep. Um. So there's a nice little tidbit for both of us then you also ended up getting the elder i love reading that on cassette <laughs> so again so moving on so i think I, I i had gotten a few albums from my brother at that point and but you know now i want my own kiss album now we're talking you know a year or two later and now i want now i'm going to sam goody every week with my brother looking at new albums you know with my mom in the mall and I want a new Kiss album, something I've never heard before. I've heard some of, you know, I think I've heard Love Gun at this point. I've heard Double Platinum. I've heard Alive 2, which is my favorite record of all time. Now I want something new. So, I'm, I, you know, now I, I 
saved up my money. I saved up my 10 bucks and now I want to go get something new. So I, I go into the record store and I'm like, I'm going to buy my own Kiss album. Finally, my brother doesn't have to give me his. This is my first record that I've ever bought ever. So I'm looking through the case the section. Of course, you run straight to the case sh- sex- section like we always used to do. Yep. And, I, and, I, and I'm scramming. I'm, I'm running through it all quick, 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 quick. And I'm seeing records that I've seen before because I've been to the mall a hundred times already, but I never have money to buy anything. And I see something on the rack that I've never seen before in the K section with Kiss. And it's this hand knocking on this wooden door. And I said, what the hell is this? And it says Kiss in the corner. So I said, this is what I want. This is the one I want. I don't ask me why I chose that one. That's the, I knew. I, I guess I knew it was the new one because it was on the new rack and stuff. But I said, I didn't know if this was a bootleg or not, because my, my parents lived at Greenwich Village at the time. I had bought a few like live weird bootlegs, which I still have, by the way. I still have those wow, records. Nice. And they're like Kiss 76, but they're terrible, awful. Yeah. And you you really almost can't listen to them. And I was so nervous that it was going to be one of those and waste the only $10 I had. I said, what do I do? So we finally decided, me and my brother, we were going to buy the cassette, the cassette of The Elder. And I had my Walkman, which I never left home without, which was my prized possession at this point in 1981. And I bought the cassette and I said, if, if, if it's a bootleg and I can't really hear the audio on it, I'll return it. And I'll get, I think I was going to get Dynasty at the time, which I didn't have at the time. Cool. And sure enough, I ran outside, I, I opened, ripped, ripped open the cellophane of the cassette, threw it in. I heard the oath. I said, yes, it sounds great. So I loved it. I, I wanted that. I kept it. But then I was reading the liner notes, like as I was walking around the mall, and I saw that this drummer... Eric Carr was on the drums. I saw Kiss, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Frehley, and Eric Carr. I said, what the hell is this? I know Peter Chris from all my records and obviously from the tour. So I didn't know what this was. So it was, I was losing my mind that there was a new, a new drummer in Kiss because Peter Chris at that point was my hero. So I had no idea what to do. So, of course, I run to the nearest newsstand. I'm looking through all the magazines. I'm trying to find... Anything that says Kiss, but in 1981, like as, as you guys know and everyone knows out there, Kiss were dead. Oh yeah. So there were no there were no magazines with Kiss in them. So I unfortunately I never got to see this person named Eric Carr on my my brand new Elder cassette. Yeah, and, and it's, it's and funny, it's, but it's, yeah, because oh. go on, go on, Tom. No, I was just gonna say this is another reason why I'm so glad we have you here because your elder experience and, and I'm, I'm i am being hand to god is almost the exact same as mine i had a sister who was four years older who was really really into all kinds of rock music you know pop pop metal you know all kinds of stuff and we would go to the mall all the time and always look at records and i remember seeing unmasked came out in 1980 and i was like oh that looks that that, that cover looks kind of cool And then I remember seeing the elder that was 81 and I was like, Oh, this looks kind of mysterious. I know kiss isn't on the cover, but maybe this is kind of what what's going on here. And at the time I actually was a little bit aware of the Peter Chris thing again, because I have a sister who's older because I think in 1980 or when it ever happened, Eric Carr was on the cover of people magazine with kiss and it was kind of like the new drummer. But at our age, we kind of really didn't even know what that was happening. 
And I remember putting in the elder and, and hearing the oath. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, what the fuck is this song? <laughs> All right. What was it, Tom? How's it going? <laughs> and then it goes into, and then, and then it goes into, I love when he does fanfare, <laughs> fanfare and the Odyssey and just, a, I'm like, where, how, just is it, can I return this now? Or what do I do with this? But now all these years later, I'm, I don't know about you, Joey. I love the elder. Love, love the other. Listen, yep. let's not get into it crazy right now, but I would no, gladly I do a whole elder episode. Yes. Love the other. I think it's so underrated. I think it makes kiss what kiss is. Perfect. I like it too. I do. Um, I just find it funny because this story leads into your next CD that you buy, which was creatures of the night. And I love that part in the story in the book where you're like, now I get to go see what he looks like. Because yeah. you had no idea who Eric Carr was or the makeup. Because, you know, hey, kids, there is no social media out there. Nobody was on the internet. You didn't just Google things. You had to find out word of mouth or random. So I just found that awesome that, you know, you're dying to find. And this part was the stuff that cracked me up. So he uh, if apparently, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase. You went into the record store and you saw it and you told the guy, Hold this. I'll be right back. I'll get him money. And the guy's like, it's a kiss album, kid. It's like, no one's going to be buying it. You don't need me to hold this. <laughs> Something like that. Dude, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember I, when I saw this, when I saw this cover again, I'm, I'm going at the Sam Goody. That was my, my local record store in the mall. And I hadn't, I had no idea. Nobody, you don't know that a new record is out. You had no, idea, yeah. no fucking idea. You couldn't know at that time when you were a kid that a new record was coming out. You didn't have a press release and the internet to tell you this shit. So when you walk into a record store, you're just looking at old records. And my brother pointed out, hey, what's that over there? And I and I turn around and I see this glowing purplish blue album cover with Kiss on it. And I lost my mind because oh, yeah. I saw Gene. I saw first, it's my probably my maybe my favorite album cover which I just ordered a giant uh, 10 by 15 rug of it, by the way, just so you know. Oh, Holy shit. <laughs> and, Beautiful. And um, I saw this record on the, the new release section, and I saw this makeup that I'd never seen before. Now, you got to understand, now we're talking 1982-ish, 83-ish. I'm obs- Now I'm obsessed with Kiss. I'm not just a fan. I didn't see them in 1979. Now I'm eight, nine years old almost, and I'm flipping out over everything that KISS does. And to see this for the first time and me having to try to research what this guy, Eric Carr, and imaging him and imagining him while I'm listening to The Elder all these years or a year and a half, whatever it is, what he looks like. It, it, I, have, I don't even know if he's wearing Peter Chris's makeup at this time. I have no right. idea. Yeah. When I see this record, I literally lose my mind. So I have no money on me. I'm eight years old and I run up to the counter and I say, please, I'm begging this salesman. You have to hold this like it's it's the Holy Grail. Please yeah. save this for me. I will be right back. And I, I and I, I want to run out to find my mom to beg for another ten dollars to buy this record. And the guy is looking at me like, you, kid, you are an idiot. <laughs> nobody is nobody is buying this record. I have 20,000 of them in the store. Nobody's buying it. Trust me. Kiss is dead. And I, I, I literally wanted to slap him in the mouth. 
So again, I run and grab my mom to grab $10 from her, which she reluctantly gives me, of course. And I buy this record. And still to this day, it's like my holy grail of Kiss records. Of course. And the excitement. So you're, you're, what, you're what, about eight, eight, nine years old. Yeah. So when you when you see that, you 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 probably think oh, th- there's only one of these. I have to have the guy hold it for me. Like, like, meanwhile, you know, cause you're such a little, you're a little kid. You're so excited. You're like, this is unbelievable. I have to have this, but I need to get money. Hold this. And like, it's a, just such a great story. The guy's like, yeah, no one's buying kiss records right <laughs> yeah, now, buddy. Kiss. I could throw this out into the middle of the uh, food court. And no one's going to take it. So, but I'll hold it for you if you want me to. <laughs> it's really I can great. see that moron's face right now. As we're telling, as I'm telling the story, I can see that moron's face. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. So, a couple other things, because uh, uh, we'll be here all night. I've got a couple things that I, I mean, that, that a lot of the stuff that I can relate to amongst the beginning part of your story is that you fell in love with wrestling. Um, you were at that Hogan beats the Iron Sheik match at MSG. I watched that live, buddy. I watched it on TV with my grandfather. So a lot of this stuff that I have, very similar to you. I grew up with an immigrant family, so my parents and my grandfather, only thing he'd like to watch were westerns and wrestling. You didn't need the language. You can understand who the good guy was in in a western, and you knew who the good guy was. My dad used to fight with my grandfather. It's (laughs) fake, Dad. It's fake. My grandfather would be like, no, look at the chair. That's real. It, It was just it was hilarious. My grandfather brought me to my first event. He brought me, and I saw a snooker fight. Captain Lou Albano in, in Boston Garden. So I remember that match. I remember Bob Backlund losing to Iron Sheik. I remember the Iron, all of a sudden, Hulk Hogan from Rocky Three comes in. The Iron Sheik, who seemed like nobody would ever beat him. And then in two seconds, Hogan throws him off the rope, drops the leg, and it's over. And you're like, what the fuck? I remember the kiss part of your story. I remember the wrestling part, falling in love with both of them. And I still love both of them to this day. So I just had to bring the wrestling part up. And obviously it comes into your story a little bit later, but uh, I just have to tell you about that. Cause I can really relate to it. And no, it's, and one, it, it, oh, go it's, ahead. Go it's, ahead, it's funny because I, I really see that wrestling and kiss and superheroes and stars, all this pop culture at the time, these bigger than life characters in the eighties, I feel like all of our generation, and I'm sure most of your listeners, all feel passionate about these things. Whether it's wrestling and kiss and comic books and superheroes and and Star Wars, whatever it is, there there was this pop culture phenomenon at the time. And kids at that age, you know, in their 40s and early 50s now, they were bigger than life characters. And it, you know, Kiss was right along the lines. With all of that stuff we were talking about, the wrestling and and Star Wars and comic books and superheroes. Yeah, you got comic books? Yeah. Yeah, well, where are they? What's, you know, what are they, funny? It was all the same type of genre that everyone got addicted to. Maybe you were addicted to two out of the three or five out of the six, whatever it was. But we all feel, I feel like we all gravitated towards the same things. Yeah, yeah. Tom, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, just before we kind of move on into your, you know, the the ZO2 career and your career as a music, one, one last childhood story I have to bring up because I was laughing my ass off laughing and lying. because I was there and I experienced it almost the same was the hell you went through as a Catholic school student. 
Dude, I'm telling you, I went to, I've I've gone to, I went to Catholic school my entire life from first grade all the way through college. And in those early elementary school years, uh, I was a, a behavioral uh, problem, shall we say? I, uh, I and I had, and this was back like you, when pretty much the entire school was all nuns. And that section of your book, when it was like <laughs> the, it, it was like you were Luke Skywalker, and she was your Darth Vader, and it was just, I, I was laughing my ass <laughs> off because every kid who went to Catholic school way back. In the in the late seventies, early eighties, knows how it was with those nuns, and I I was relating to that segment, and I was laughing and loving every every minute of that section. <laughs> thank you again. Thank you so much again. When I'm writing this book, I'm not thinking, "Oh my God, let me see how many people can relate to this Catholic school story." Oh yeah, I'm 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 just writing on the, the events of my life, and it's funny after the fact. So many people enjoyed that part of the book more than I could have ever imagined me telling stories of me in Catholic school and the nun suspending me because my hair is long or, you know, having to take my finals in her her office during eighth grade just because my hair was touching my collar or, you know, me being suspended because my hair was long and my mom telling me, you tell that that nun Jesus had his hair long. Why can't you? <laughs> and I that. did that. And, you know, it cost me a week suspension, but it was what it was the greatest thing that I ever did. But it, it's funny. It, I don't realize that I, when I was writing the book, I didn't realize people would relate to that so much. Again, I'm just telling my story and I'm telling it for my kids and I'm telling it for who whoever's going to read it. And it's really the best compliment that I get that Guys like you who don't really didn't know my career, both of you maybe didn't know my career, can relate to this book early on before the career takes off, before all the other stuff happens and just say, yes, that's what my childhood was like. I can I can relate to this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Great stuff. And the only other thing I want to bring up about your childhood and we'll move on to your musical career. And that is that you had some punk cousins from Boston that used to say booked it. We say oh, that up yeah. here. That's where you got it. You got it from Boston. We've been saying that for years. Oh, I booked it down the street before the cops came. You know, we say that shit all 100%, the time. 100%. Not only that, when I was young growing up, I didn't have the MSG network. When you talked about before, when you saw Hogan live on the MSG network, I used to have my cousin from Winthrop. She used to record the MSG network for me on VHS and send me VHS <laughs> copies of the MSG network live. From from MSG because we didn't when I was have it. Brooklyn, it wasn't MSG. It was like on syndication, like TV thirty eight. So well, that's when they all all right. the matches were jobbers, like yeah. right, crazy. right, okay. But once in a while they would show one great match, and they showed the Hogan match, and we saw the Iron Sheik match against Backlund. Uh, uh, that's it. But yeah, it wasn't the MSG net because cable wasn't around then. Right, 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 right. But yeah. I, I can imagine that. Um, I love. I find that hilarious. The whole Boston thing there, um, but there's a lot of stuff in your story. A lot of funny stories about your friends growing up and kids in activities and people playing pranks on each other and passing out and shit and just great <laughs> fun stories. I suggest you guys read it. it, it you'll get a kick out of it. But I want to kind of steer us back into your musical career. We know you had the drum set at five and you had your little drum room in your apartment. And it's a really heart tugging story 
of the sacrifices. And that's the other aspect that I can relate to you that your parents, well, your mom did for you and how tough it was as a struggle, but how, how much you appreciated and saw that she, whatever she would do, she would do to try to help you in your career and your love of music and how lucky you were to have such a supportive person to get you onto that path to become the person you are today. It's amazing because at the time, you, you you know, you don't realize or appreciate things, I guess, when you're growing up and when you're a kid. But when you get older, you can look back at things and say, holy shit, I didn't realize the sacrifices my mom or parents or whoever made for you during your life that got to got you where you are today. And, you know, I, I, I knew this as an adult, but as I was writing this book and my mom had passed already long before I wrote this book. I, when I started writing this and started recounting all the stuff that my mom did throughout the years to help me and su- not only help me, but support me in every endeavor that I ever did throughout my musical career, it was it was mind boggling to me, it, you know, from whether it was taking me and my brother to see Kiss in 1979 for the first time or shortly after that in, in that Christmas, me asking for a drum set and we didn't grow up a rich family. We grew up poor. We grew up struggling. We grew up, you know, hard to pay the bills and, you know, electric off, lights off and stuff that was happening, you know, that was really hard to grow up in. But when you're growing up as a kid, you don't realize that stuff. All you know is it's Christmas and I'm asking for something. And if I don't get it, I'm upset. And for somehow, and I really don't even know how to this day, my mom always got me whatever I asked for. And for Christmas 1979, it was a drum set. And then year after year after year after year, she would always get me something that I would ask for for Christmas or my birthday that would that I wanted. And everything I always wanted was to pursue my musical career in, in drumming. And whether it was a new cymbal or it was a new snare drum or a new drum set, she, somehow she always came through. And I believe it or not, I really don't even realize to this day how she did it. And she sacrificed everything she ever did, whether it was pay the rent or buy food for us or we would eat peanut butter and jelly or she would turn the phone off for, you know, six months at a time just to get me something that I wanted. It, it was such such an honor and a privilege to have a person like that in my life. And that's what I try to do to my kids to g- just give them everything, not everything that they want but everything they dream of and you know, everything you don't want to spoil a kid because it's what they want, but you want to give kids something to pursue what they're passionate about. And when a kid has passion, like I had when I was five years old after seeing kiss and I knew I had to be a drummer, my mother saw this in me and she gave me everything that I could have ever wanted growing up and the support that I could have ever wanted growing up as a kid, as a musician, as a son. And it's something that I didn't realize until I wrote this book, how grateful I was to have this person in my life. Yeah, it's such an it's such an amazing part of the book. And it's a thread that continues throughout the book. But the way you get into those those, those that early part, um, it, it's it's uh, it's just very, very, very well written. Um, yeah, you, you, you should you should be proud of, of that. And I know you are because it's very well done. Thanks. So. You. You had a bunch of bands throughout. I don't want to get through all of them. We'll be here all day. But you went through some good ones, some bad ones. And it's interesting because you make the person reading the story feel like 
So this is what it's like to be a struggling musician. So this is what the actually it's not all these glorious things like, yeah, I'm a rock star. I got groupies. I got everyone wanting me. You talked about the day to day grind. I'm in this band. Well, wait a minute. This guy's acting like a jerk and he wants to take full control. He's not giving me any equal say. Well, these guys have better songs. Well, these guys are more talented. These guys have the record deal. Where am I going? I don't want to spoil it, but there are a lot of stuff in there that you can, as the reader, you're going to want to picture yourself. Did he make the right choice? Nah, I would have done this. (laughs) I would have went to this band. I would have done this. I I found myself kind of questioning which role I would have taken. And there were a lot of interesting bands along the way. Some of them have albums out there because I think you listed recently a discography, right? Of some of those bands because those, some of those albums are out there and I'll be honest with you. I'm going to get us to ZO2, but from what I read the book and I remember, I didn't know much about you or your music career, the way you described it. I'm going to say this because it's one of those Tommy Zeus moments. Save it, save it. You're hearing this for the first time. The way you describe the band, I thought ZO2 was going to be one of those throwaway stops that you had along the way. Because you didn't seem like too impressed with their music. There were other bands that you talked about in this book that you're like, oh, these guys had awesome songs. We can make it. And then it just didn't work. And with, you know, Paulie and David, you just like, yeah, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, he's all right. But Jesus, this guy's a numbskull. So I didn't realize that these guys end up being the band that you're really known for, really. And it it was for me because, again, I didn't know. So reading it and getting to that point and seeing how you described it, I think you didn't describe them. I I think you sold it, like sold those guys and your band pretty short. It's amazing that you say that because, again, as I'm writing it, I'm I'm just telling my story. I'm not writing it to tell a good book or what's the captivating story of ZO2 or here's how ZO2 became, you know, the phenomenon that it was. No, I I just wrote it chronologically of what I was thinking at the time as I was going through the points in my life. And it's funny. I I think I even quoted in the book. There's a Rolling Stone song. You can't always get what you want. But sometimes you get what you need. And it, it fits so perfectly in my book because I struggled and had so many bands throughout my career. And, you know, obviously we're fast forwarding. I'm a drummer now. I'm, I'm yeah. pursuing my career in music and, I, and I'm trying all these different bands. And, I, and I'm not thinking, you know, musicians are reading my book. I'm not, I'm not writing it for that purpose. I'm just writing what I did. What did I go through in my career to get to where I am? And... It's so appreciative to, to me to, that I hear other musicians or, or even just fans or people relate to all that stuff and hear the struggle and hear the different aspects of my career that I went through to get to where I am. And sometimes you don't realize the best thing you have until much later. So, so you know, you're in, you're in a band and at, sometimes at the time you think it's the best thing in the world. Where in relation, it's it's not. And sometimes the opposite happens. Sometimes you're doing something just because you you want you you just want to keep playing. And for something like ZO2, I was in that for a short period of time early on in my career, and I didn't realize that it was going to do anything. I was just doing it because I wanted to do 
an original project. And I just wanted to keep playing my drums. And I loved more than anything playing my drums. And that was the thing that was in front of me at the time. And at that time, there were two things. Again, you, you know this in my book. I was on a record label with this other band. And there was also ZO2. And this other band that was on Wind Up Records had all my attention. And they were going to be the next big thing. They were going to be the next creed, the next big in essence. And they were all my focus. And ZO2 was literally just a side project that I was doing and I was recording with that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the guys and they were goofballs. And But I never really thought much of it. And it wasn't until I was forced to give up that record deal and you'll see it in the book why I give it up. Yep. Why I give it up in the hard times that that I went through to give that record deal up. That I took ZO2 and I said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do 100%. And this is what I'm going to pursue 100% of my effort and time into. And it wasn't until that happened that I realized this is the golden goose. Th- those parts of your book, the, like those those journeys, those ups and downs parts... To me, I found those the most riveting parts of the book, like, like, like get going through all like that, that section of you, you know, from being like a 16 year old kid and until you got to ZO2 and all that, all that, the, the labor of love that you had, I, I thought that was so well put together and it was, and it was a realistic depiction. I mean, you know, I don't really have anything to kind of base on cause I'm not a musician, but just as a fan I thought that I thought that was one of my all those those stories, those journeys, those, you know, A to B, you know, A to Z sections of the book, I thought were uh, were, were terrific until you finally landed, you know, with ZO2. And, um, you know, we'll we'll get into what happened with ZO2 because that's that's some uh, ZO2 had a cool run for a little bit there. Yeah. And you had some and let me just wrap this up. I'm curious to ask you. So I'm trying to list them here real quick. Seventh Heaven Exposed. Sinister Charm, Playground, Creation, Menace. Wasn't there something else too? <laughs> Lamour? No, no, that was a moment. That, that was, was a, a club. That, that was, was a club. club. Valentine and Smith. Valentine, Valentine Smith. Smith. Yes. Of all those, which one do you think was the most, I don't know, you're, you're most proud of, the best band, best music? Well, again, it, it, it's all different. You know, what I'm most proud of, the most fun I had was with my, my boys in Playground when I first started. But yep. the, probably the best music was, and even though it was outdated at the time, was with my with my band Exposed. They were so talented. My friend Scott Cahadris, that was on guitar, was probably still the best guitar player I've ever played with in my life. And I played with some amazing guitar players from guys in TSO to you know Eric Martin and all all these bands that have yeah. been in throughout my life. That this guy in in Exposed was so talented that. We were just a little late, a little late to the scene. You know, we were a little, we were Skid Row three years after Skid, Skid Row came out. So we were just a little late to the scene. And unfortunately, we almost got signed to Atlantic Records. But as the story's been told, Nirvana came out and destroyed that scene. So yeah. it just so happens that, that that's with the way my career went. But I want to thank you guys so much for, for complimenting on me on that part of the book. Because again, as I'm writing this book, I'm thinking... That's the part of the book nobody will give a shit about because everyone wants to hear ZO2, the Kiss story, Z Rock, you know, with, you know, Dave Navarro and Sebastian Bach and all these stars and Joan Rivers. I'm thinking everyone will want to hear that. And really, that's only the second half of the book. It's really split into two it's the first half of my career, and then 
zero two on is my second half of my career. So it's funny that I really believe that most of the compliments and, and reviews that I've gotten are from the first half, which is which amazes me. And I love it. And I think yeah. that might be, and I think that's because it's a lot, it's a lot of the unknown stuff, you know, like people know ZO2, people know Z-Rock, people know, you know, people, they might not know it well, but they might, they're familiar with it, but this stuff, nobody, you know, we, we didn't know this. And I think that's what makes, I mean, don't get me wrong. The whole book is terrific, but I think some of those stories kind of grabbed us a little bit more, you know, until you got to ZO2 and you know we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, and so for the people that are listening, we are a Kiss podcast. So, <laughs> you know, we might be able to get Brad Pitt on this show to talk about Brad Pitt's career and it might be exciting. We got Brad Pitt, but this is still a Kiss podcast. Believe me, there's plenty of Kiss stories in this book. I we find this fascinating and that's the thing that you guys out there will find fascinating. You'll get your Kiss fix in this book cuz Kiss is everywhere in this book. But you're gonna. I mean, the way, the, find... the way I right, the way I like to describe it, it's really a Kiss fans book. It's a yep. Kiss fan story. Absolutely. I'm a Kiss fan at heart, and I just happen to follow my own dreams. But along the way, every single thing I do in this book is Kiss related. Whether it's the TV show, the tour with Kiss, seeing Kiss for the first time, everything always relates back to Kiss. Yeah, and you got a great story, and there's a lot of fascinating things that happen. So you're not a Kiss fan that talks about him going to get an oil change on Tuesday, and then uh, he got a haircut on Wednesday, and uh, this is him eating some Kiss cereal. Oh, interesting. Um, but anyways, Tommy gets it. Um, I get it. Anyways, um, let's move on. So your kind of your thing with ZO2, I believe, developed because you were in what became a Kiss cover band, and Tell us about the Kiss cover band and how you got that and became ZO2. So again, continuing the story, I was in bands throughout my career. And, you know, now I'm in my early 20s and I'm on small record labels. And now I'm, I'm dealing with the business of the music business and I'm getting burnt out, you know, doing clubs and recording and contracts and lawyers and all the ins and outs of the music business that I'm really starting to lose my passion and joy for playing my drums, which is really what it started at. And what I decided to do was I was in this band called Valentine Smith and we were on a small record label and we were selling really good. We had songs on the WB network and Nash Bridges and Charmed and all these shows and we were doing really well, but I, it was sucking the fun out of my music career. And I decided in the meantime, while I'm doing this, I want to get back to doing something that I love. And I really didn't know what it was. So I started looking like many people did back in the day, looked in the newspapers and the village voice and all these music papers back in the day to see any kind of ads that would be out there looking for a drummer. And it just so happens the first day that I was looking and I decided to do this, I saw an ad that said kiss tribute band looking for drummer to be Eric Carr in kiss tribute band. And I just saw this ad. I said, I mean, again, if you've read my book, yep. Eric Carr is my idol. And he's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today. And even though Peter Chris is the person that got me started, Eric Carr is what I've really grew up on. And when I saw this ad, I said, this is fate. This, this, there's a reason why I looked at this today and I saw this ad. And I said, this is something I have to at least look into. And sure enough, I answered the ad, met the guys in this band called Kiss Nation, Went down for an audition, 
The guy made me learn 36 Kiss songs, which I already knew most of them anyway. And, you know, I had an audition. I knew Eric Carr's parts by heart from the Animalize Uncensored video or whether it was Creatures of the Night or, you know, I knew Eric Carr's licks live to all Peter Chris's songs by heart. So when I when I went down to the audition, I knew I would nail it. I was so confident. And sure enough, I got the part. And the singer of that band in Kiss Nation was a guy named Paulie Z. And it turned out that he and I would later on with his brother form ZO2. So it, it's funny how, like I said earlier, everything leads back to Kiss. I wanted to get out of the business aspect of the music business. I found the Kiss Tribute Band. We played hundreds of shows and did all this fun stuff. We even did a film and a special for VH1. Yeah. And but yep. but. You know, it led back all this fun led back to the music business again with ZO2. And I got to tell you just real quick before we move on, you were uncanny looking like Eric Carr. Those the, the, in the pic, the pictures, because the, the book has tons of amazing pictures. When you were in the full gear with the makeup, it was unbelievable. That was amazing. And, and I find, and like you said, what are the odds that there is a Kiss cover band who wants Eric Carr, not Peter Chris? I mean, it's perfect, perfect. That's that's like our friends in Australia, right? They that's have right. a cover band. Uh, what's right. the name again? Uh, Kisteria. Yep. They yeah. Have a, they, they have a they have a Kiss cover band, and uh, their drummer is Eric Carr. Yep. And and they became big fans of the show. And we've that's been communicating right. with them. Yep. Um, and they have the Eric Carr too. So a couple quick things on that. Um, so you become Eric Carr. You meet. Eric Singer at a convention and he gives some Polly some shit. And uh, oh, I, I, I found that funny. I don't know if you want to, we should hold that for somebody to read the story in the, in the book. Um, I'll leave that out there. You people pick it up. <laughs> it's a great funny story. And I guess, I guess Polly got a little sensitive about it and uh, they don't have that uh, sense of humor and able to take the punch like you can. Um, and then that whole kiss cover thing band got you your first introduction to kiss correct right so you know with the kiss cover band kiss nation we filmed a show for vh1 called mock rock and it was supposed to be a tribute to you know tribute bands or along or across the country and it was to show what went into really putting on one of these tribute shows and obviously back in the day in kiss nation this was you know 2000 2001 2002 you know we were doing the full creatures of the night show. We had the full tank. We would build, awesome. and I know it sounds ridiculous. We would build it every night on stage with us. We would have pyro. We would have pinwheels. We would have all this stuff before the unfortunate tragedy at the uh, the nightclub in um, the station fire. Yeah, and yeah. We, we would do we would do all of this stuff, and it, it they literally followed us twenty four seven. And filmed us what we, what went into putting on this show every night, and you wouldn't believe it. Still to this day, being in that Kiss tribute band was the hardest thing that I've ever done in my career. It was one show was a twenty four hour ordeal. It was waking up, you know, eight a.m. traveling, whether you know, eight eight ten hours to the to the venue, putting all the gear up on stage, building the drum riser, putting your makeup on. Taking your makeup off, doing a, you know, two and a half hour set because we would do a crazy, you know, a set with all rarities and all the Kiss classics. 
and it would it would just be an ordeal over over a, a 24 hour period that VH1 captured this on film and you can go on my YouTube page and you can see the episode of Mock Rock yep. and the end of that that season of Mock Rock that episode it turned out that they surprised us that they flew us to LA and we were going to put on a concert for VH1 and we were going to just play a concert for the release of our video and we had no idea that Gene and Paul were actually going to be at the show and sure enough, Gene and Paul were watching us perform. And it wasn't until the last two songs, Lick It Up and, and Rock and Roll All Night, that we saw the spotlights go on Gene and Paul in the balcony, and they were watching us. Oh my it was God. the first time any of us had ever met Gene and Paul live or seen Gene and Paul in person. And not only to see them, again, when, when you meet your idols and you say, oh my God, I'm such a fan of you, how are you? That's one thing. But when you see them for the first time and they're watching you perform your craft and doing their material, it's so surreal that I could never even explain it. And when I saw Gene and Paul watch us and not only watch us, but talk to us for an hour afterwards and tell us how great we were and how amazing I was, they told me, as Eric singing Beth and singing Black Diamond and playing the drums. It was one of the best moments of my life. So that was my introduction to Gene and Paul. How the did way Gene, you, the way, how the did way, Gene, wait a minute, wait, how did Gene introduce himself, Tom? This is Gene Simmons from <laughs> Kiss. From Kiss. <laughs> The, the the way the way you told the way you tell that story in the book, and again, we, we we don't we want people to buy the book and read it, but the way you tell that story, like I I I was like jealous of you that you got <laughs> just because like you're Eric Carr, you're in a Kiss band, you're 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 kicking ass, and then you see Paul and Gene like what like I like my head was like exploding with what that experience must have been like. And you just conveyed that kind of that, that, that emotion. Um, it, it was, it was really, it was really, it, it was just awesome to, to read. It's just great, great stuff in the whole book. I mean, we could, you know, we don't want to give the whole book away, of course, but it's just exciting to talk about some of this cool stuff. Yeah. And so both bands are going on. You're in zero two and the kiss cover band. Zero two finally gets to a point where you're actually releasing albums. Correct. You got the record label. I believe you know. Did you guys correct? Help me out. How did you guys yeah. do your albums again? So during the time I'm still in Kiss Nation and yeah. this with the singer of Kiss Nation, Z, uh, Paulie yeah, Z Paulie. and his brother, David Z, we're doing our own project called ZO2 at the time. And again, I'm yeah. not thinking that much of it. And we were we record a full length album which at the time I was, ex I was against, you know, we're talking 2003 here or 2002. And it, you know, it, to, to fund a full length album at that time, rather than just a demo was absurd to me. I didn't, I didn't see a need for it. It just seemed ridiculous to me. So these two guys, you know, bless their hearts, funded the whole record on their credit cards, 30, almost $40,000 to record the record, pay the producers, get all the tracks done, everything. We had a full length record, legit CD ready for release. And it turned out that our manager at the time got it to Paul Stanley, who was a friend of his. And again, the stars aligned at the time kiss was ready to do the rock the nation tour. And Nikki Six's band at the time brides of destruction was scheduled to do the tour with poison and kiss. And I still don't know to this day, the exact reason why they were pulled off the tour. But all I know was thankfully 
they were yanked off the tour last minute and they had an opening slot and Paul had our CD in his house or whatever it was. He got in touch. He got in touch with us and he said, Hey guys, you guys want to do 40 dates with us, you know, across the nation and do this, do this tour with us. And I, you know, obviously I shit my pants and I, and I, you know, my mind was, my mind exploded. I didn't even know what to say. I just sharted. I don't know what that means. I tried to fart and a little shit came out. Oh. I just sharted. Right now, let's go. You're the most disgusting person I've ever met in my life. I thought it was fake. I had no idea that this was could really be happening. At this point, you got to understand, we're an unsigned band. We released this CD on our own, through our own money, no label. Kiss is now taking an unsigned band, and at the time, and probably even until now, has never done such a thing. We were an unsigned band, and they took us on the road with them in Poison, and we did the full Rock the Nation tour with them, and it was unprecedented. We had no CD in stores. We would sell out every night at, at the concerts at the venue, but we had no CD in whatever stores Best Buy at that time. We had no record label. So it was such an unprecedented thing, unprecedented thing that we were, we were experiencing this, and we were, we were, it was blowing our minds at every moment. And talking about a weird full circle or stars aligning or however you want to say it, the fact that Zeus and I are doing a KISS podcast right now in 2020 and having you, Joey Casada, on it in 2020, <laughs> when in 2004, you performed for us. We were at the Rock the Nation show in Mansfield, Massachusetts for that Kiss Poison ZO2 show. So you think about, you know, if you want to kind of get weird with things lining up and things coming full circle, like you performed for us and now we're here talking about that performance. If that doesn't kind of melt your brain a little bit in terms of how the Kiss fan, the Kiss army brings everybody together, I just think it's just, it, for me selfishly, and I know Zeus, it's just an awesome story for you and for us, I think too. I still have my CD. Yep, me my too. Kiss Rock the Nation CD from Mansfield. And you might remember because Paul may have come back after the show and be like, hey, in the middle of, I was singing this song, I Want You, there was this eruption of odor that came throughout <laughs> the stadium. And so be careful out there. Yeah, that was the infamous I Want You episode for us uh, yep. where uh, I uh, unfortunately destroyed about a, a circumference about – 300 square feet at least, maybe the size of a football field, where I had a whole audience turn around and go, what the fuck? <laughs> Pe yeah, people, was, people were probably wishing <laughs> for the coronavirus back then Yo, instead of that. Yeah, Ooh, awful. That, awful. Might, that so, might have been the start of the coronavirus right there. <laughs> yes, it, I don't know what it was. <laughs> it was bad. But yeah, the and then you have great stories, obviously. And this is, again... I don't want to give away the good stuff. I'm right. we'll, I uh, like give discussing. Away. Give it away. But hold on. I want to discuss things with you that people don't know even better than make them want to buy your book. They're going to get great stories about Kiss, the tour with Kiss, your conversations with Gene, the 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 wiffle ball games that you think you can actually throw a wiffle ball pretty decently. You can't. But like those kind of stories, they they will get all of this. And I want them to feel like not only am I going to get this, but also there are all these wonderful stories of, you know, you're overcoming all the odds, your, your family life, your friends growing up, 
the crazy Catholic uh, school stories, all that will be included in the book to give them more of an incentive. But obviously there's some great stories in there about Kiss uh, on the tour of the Rock the Nation tour. And, uh, you know, you getting them to play some wiffle ball with you. And that looks like, I mean, I, I've got to say it, the least masculine-looking baseball stance I've ever seen in my life by Kiss. Holy fuck. That's another thing. The pictures, as I'm flipping through the book, I'm like, I can't believe Joey has pictures of all of this. Like, it's that just makes it even better. Like, you you telling the wiffle ball story and then seeing Paul Stanley trying to hold (laughs) back. Like like the kid in floor hockey in gym that doesn't know if he's a lefty or righty. Uh, again, the the only thing I regret, you know, we're talking 2004 on the Rock the Nation tour. You know, iPhones and video phones oh, yeah. weren't yeah. as prominent then. So, you know, yeah. we're talking about holding a video camera, trying to capture some of the the events of this tour. And yep. like I said, we, we you know we literally spent every day with these guys for three months. And you know, me coming into this as a uber fan, just like you guys, just like everyone listening. Can you imagine not only sharing this, you know, sharing the stage with them every night was in itself mind blowing and crazy, but just, you know, waking up in the morning and walking out of, you know, our, our bus and, and hanging out with Gene and eating cookies in the morning and hanging out with lunch and the, the everyday grind of living with these guys for three months was really the stuff that my book goes into detail about and, and shows they're just regular people and, and to be around these guys every day, whether it's wiffle ball or, you know, having lunch or whatever it is, debate hour with Gene, whatever we were doing every day was so just surreal. Every moment of that tour was, was a, a kiss fans dream come true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, it's there for all you guys that are interested. Uh, please take a look. Uh, you're going to love it. And then, in continuation with the band and stuff, you guys get the wonderful offer about, you know, doing the TV show based upon your lives, which is you played in this rock band, but the other guys would do some like kid show. And I remember at the time around this time, I'll be honest with you. My daughter used to watch, was it Nick jr. And they would always have, there was a show called Jack's big music show. I, I don't know, know if it. you remember that. My daughter, I used to watch that constantly with them. And there would be these like rock band group that would play kid songs. And you could tell they like, they had Gibson guitars and stuff. And you'd be like, Jesus, I bet you these guys are rock guys and they can't do anything, but they're playing kid bands. And then your story comes out. You guys were doing the same (laughs) thing and it becomes a TV show. So you want to talk to us about how Z rock kind of got started so it, it, again, it's funny during that kiss tour. Again, we're an unsigned band. We're selling CDs. Believe it or not, you know most people think we paid on that tour, which a lot of bands did back in the day. At the same time, I think there was a band called Silver Chair that was on tour with Van Halen, and they paid hundreds of thousands of dollars their record label to be on tour with Van Halen. Wow! We didn't pay to be on tour with Kiss. Wow. Believe it or not, Kiss actually gave us a small amount, which was very small, but it was enough to kind of get us going every night. You know, they gave us a couple, you know, a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, whatever it was. You know, I don't want to go into exact details of every show. So we actually got paid to do those shows. 
but it still wasn't enough to float the boat for the whole tour, the travel and the expenses and, you know, the, the RV, which we rented for the summer and, you know, the hotels and, all, you know, it costs, we did 20,000 miles just in gas alone. We probably didn't cover it. So to pay the bills, the three of us, you know, beforehand and after, and even a little bit during the tour, we were doing kids birthday parties and kids bar mitzvahs and kids, you know, communions and we we would be the wiggles version of of a, a rock band version of the wiggles and we would do these shows and we were we already had a kind of name in in the new york area in the upper east side which was a kind of ritzy area in new york and we we did robert de niro's kid's birthday and we did you know local newscasters birthday party so we were kind of well known already before the kiss tour and we were kind of demanding pretty good money at this point. So we were known as the Z Brothers, which the two members of my band were, were Paulie and David Z. And we would do these kids shows around town. So to pay for most of, most of that kids tour, what people don't realize is we did kids entertainment. And it just so happens when we got off the tour, we were still doing this, of course, to, to pay the bills. You, you're going to get paid a lot more doing a kid's birthday party, believe it or not, than playing a, a rock and roll concert. You know, we would play a rock and roll concert and lose, you know, three, 400 bucks. And we would do a kid's birthday party and make a thousand. So it was so crazy. And, you know, it just so happens that, you know, we were doing a kid's birthday party and this guy walked up to us and said, Hey, you guys don't look like the wiggles. You guys look like a rock and roll band. And, you know, we went into the whole story. Well, we just toured with kiss and, you know, we're actually playing times square BB Kings tonight. You should come and check us out. Not think, you know, we're just looking for another body in the audience. We don't give a shit. Yeah. And the guy winds up coming and it turns out that he's an agent for a big agency called William Morris. And any anyone who knows anything about yeah. the entertainment business, William Morris represents every actor or musician out yeah. there. Pretty much everyone. You know, there's a couple of big agencies. William Morris and CAA pretty much have the monopoly on the agency business. And this guy just happened to be in the TV division division. And we had no idea. We said, oh, we, we hope you can get us, you know, another tour like the Kiss tour. And this guy was like, well, you know, I'm not in the, in the, in, in the tour business. I'm in the TV division. So we said, well, why don't we do a TV show? We don't know what the fuck we're talking about. We're bullshitting our way through it. And sure enough, the guy liked the aspect of the Clark Kent Superman thing of us being a kid's entertainment band during the day and a crazy rock and roll band with groupies, you know, taking their shirts up at night. He said, let's do something. And sure enough, six months later, you know, we're shopping this show to network about us being a kids band and a rock band at night. We wind up getting picked up for, for a season. And the show is, again, anybody that's listening to this show, if, if, if I didn't like it, I would probably be like, oh, yeah, that's cool and move on. I'm telling you, Joey, I, I, I'll, full disclosure, I wasn't 100% you know, familiar with the show. Um, I started watching it. I didn't realize how goddamn funny it is. Like I, I, I really didn't, re I didn't know it was going to be that kind of show. And today I watched the Jericho episode and I'm, 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 I'm fucking dying, like literally dying. And I got to tell you as much as you and in, in, in the Z brothers and Jericho were that particular episode the, the 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 hidden gem in that episode was fucking Jim Norton. 
that episode was hilarious. And the, the premiere episode, just like you said, an awesome concept for a TV show. Hilarious. It was picked up. It was on IFC. Um, there was uh, you, the DVDs were released um, for purchase. Other than YouTube, can the show is it is it is it anywhere else? Is it on any streaming services? Can anybody find? It? I mean, I know it's easily accessible on YouTube, um, but is it anywhere else right now? Or do you have plans on it being you know Netflix or Hulu or anything like that? It's funny you mentioned the Jericho episode. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually texting him. He's he just texted me as we're talking. Oh no he shit! Me, he said tell those tell those guys to mention my books. I said <laughs> no. They told me they told me that they hate you. So. <laughs> He's texting me right now as he talks. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, so, so he's Z-Rock. right here. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's good, Jericho. That's '90s Jericho. That's my '90s Jericho doll. That's on my shoulder. <laughs> so yes, Z Rock, you can watch. You know, via YouTube right now. It was on the IFC Network, and because it was originally purchased by the Stars Network, there's yeah. a lot of legality issues when it comes to the show, and people obviously people don't realize the the ins and outs of the legality of, of TV shows. So it was on Amazon prime for a long time streaming. It's not available right now on prime. I think it's probably going to come back eventually. It's okay. not on Netflix right now, but you can see it all on my YouTube channel. If you just type in Z rock, Chris Jericho or Z rock, anything you'll, you'll find episodes of Z rock on YouTube. So you can see both seasons, 20 episodes on, on YouTube right now. I mean, the characters, the writing, it, it, it really is like, it's just a, it's just a funny friggin' show. And if we talk about a show that's under the radar for people, just, you, you got to check it out. Cause it is good. Um, yeah, I, I, I will say, uh, fucking lawyers, huh? They're all over <laughs> yeah. ruin everything. Right. Bastards. Um, yeah. So I, I, same thing with Tom. Didn't know about it. Finished your book. I had a hunger to learn more. And I'll find that you'll find people after you read this book, you're going to want to know more about Joey. You're going to want to start listening to some of the music. You want to watch some uh, Z rock. I finished all 10 episodes, every season, two seasons, 10 episodes, 20 episodes, Z rock. I got them all on Joey's YouTube channel for now. Um, and it's SATA S A T T a entertainment. Uh, I went there. I saw all 10. I liked it. I commented. That's what everybody should do. Go on his show promote it he deserves it i can't tell you i'm like tom i didn't know what to expect i thought it'd be some i'll take a look at this i got hooked (laughs) it's one of those things like i wish i would be able to be like shit i'd get on a fan page and start like promoting it they should have season three fucking hilarious the writing on that was so like i can't believe how like like a lot of the episodes like you went there Oh yeah, like, you know what I mean. On certain <laughs> stuff, you went there. Whether it means a, a very kind of <laughs> politically incorrect joke. Yep. Tits. Yeah, yep. guys, they're tits. Um, <laughs> like insults galore. Like the shit that the banter between the kids, and it's not Paul Stanley in fucking Phantom of the Park acting. No. You guys actually can act. <laughs> and it's actually pretty good. It's, you know, and there's no aspect of this. You think that these guys like look like, oh my God, this just looks like somebody just grabbed the musician. Like, Hey, play this part in my movie. And it just doesn't fit. You guys play it perfectly. You have some, you know, maybe a minus guys. You have some B guys, actors that come on, but it only makes it even better. Absolutely. I think it'd be even more awkward if it was bigger. I love the whole thing. Like, the whole fucking John Popper 
I don't even, I never liked the guy, but he makes me like him that he's such a self-deprecating humor that he can make fun of himself that much and be on the show. Joan Rivers was fucking hilarious. Oh, on it was him. awesome. Yep. That character, Neil, the <laughs> shit he would do with Polly, yep. every fucking episode, those like gay come ons he would do to him. Hilarious. Every episode, I uh, there was one that I would say, there isn't one episode I would say, oh, that one's kind of bad. Ten episodes, ten gems. One better than the next. But if I know I'm kind of biased here, I will say the wrestler episode. Oh, God. Uh, that was awesome. Was the whole, the whole <laughs> misunderstanding with you and your fucking violence on something. Oh, yeah. with Jericho, <laughs> and that whole argument you guys had at the end. Listen, I'm sorry that I screwed up your song. I tried my best, man. No, I'm sorry, okay? Chris, I mean, I don't, really no, 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 no. brought the I violence. Yeah, sure. I get what you're saying, right? No. Listen, I don't need to take advice from the drummer in a kid's band, okay? Whoa, whoa. You don't even have a drum set. Well, you I'm got sorry. a tambourine. I'm sorry if a Canadian couldn't understand how I was talking. Maybe I should say it in French. I'll lock kick your ass. Okay, so you're a racist, right? too. I'm not racist. I just really? don't like you anymore. Really? You want to frock us? Yeah, you want to throw hands? Let's go. Well, you're going to hit me with that schnoz? It's like Come a on. plantain stuck in the middle of your face. Grandfather's you watch. I don't want to get on, blood on that. You want to bring the body yeah, to the show? Bring it That was awesome. I can't believe actually Chris looks awesome acting in that. That looked like a real fight. And, and you know, what's cool about your characters. You were always the fucking like you lost that Italian temper of yours. No problem whether it meant fucking something up for the band or not. Like, <laughs> you would always say what you meant. Like I would think your character in the show would be like the sex fiend crazy drummer or the idiot drummer. That's not your character on the show. It's really kind of based on real life, right? You guys kind of acted this stuff out and told some stories from what I understand and based a lot of the dialogue and storylines about real life stuff, right? Again, it, the show is completely semi-scripted. And, and what I mean by that, it, that is when we when we shopped the show and we were promoting the show to networks and stuff, it's a cross between, the best way to describe it is a cross between Kirby Enthusiasm and Spinal Tap. And what I mean by that is Kirby, and, and, and if anyone doesn't know this, the show Kirby Enthusiasm with Larry David on HBO is not a scripted show. Right. And what, what semi-scripted means is there's a there's a rough outline of the premise of the episode. And then the actors, which is what we did, would kind of bring you from scene to scene in, with our own dialogue. So something like the Chris Jericho episode, the Z rest... Uh, 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 the Z... Um, I won't say that, but that might be a trivia question <laughs> no, later. We'll see. Yeah, we'll um, see if anyone's listening. The... Uh, the, with the with the wrestling episode in season two, we knew the premise of the episode. We knew, okay, we were going to dress as wrestlers and perform at a kid's birthday party. And this wrestler, Chris Jericho, was going to be on. And we knew the premise was going to be, I was going to fanboy out and kind of figure out a way to over-the-top fanboy him. And then at the end... Of course, just like every episode, we self-sabotage and we, yeah. we turn, it, it, it turns sour on us. <laughs> it's so and, good. you know, we didn't know exactly how that was going to happen until we got on set. There was no script written. There was no dialogue written. We just knew the overall premise. Here's A. Here's Z. How are you going to get there? 
And we would literally just do take after take. And even on my YouTube page, you'll see hundreds of, of bloopers and stuff from all these episodes that we would just take take after take after take of this dialogue. And we would just build the scene out of our own comedy. And we always we always used to say in interviews that it wasn't acting. It was reacting because when someone would say something to us. I would just say my natural response. It wouldn't be an acting response or a line that was written for me. It would be, what would Joey say if Chris Jericho said this to me right now? Or what would Joey say if Daryl Hall or Dave Navarro said this to me right now in this situation? So they would put us into these wacky situations with all these crazy celebrities from Dave Navarro to Dee Snyder to Daryl Hall to... Joan Rivers to Chris Jericho to Frank Stallone, and we would be thrust into these situations, and they would kind of feed some of these guys' dialogue and to say to us, and we would just react naturally, and it just built the episode like that. And I think you could see that, and and I think that's what makes Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's why it gives it has that kind of a feel, and you and I think that's what makes your show funny is like like you said, you're not you're not reading rehearsed lines it, it's all like organic and you can and you could see that reaction among the actors like that like the, the the dynamics is like it's a natural dynamic and you can you can feel that and um i'm glad i discovered the show because it it really is enjoyable for sure it's a it's that's another thing that you should be proud of yeah absolutely Thanks. it's kind of similar to what we do here buddy we have a script a little bit like an outline organization this is what we talk about I have no idea what the fuck he's going to say. And <laughs> nope. like we say, our inside joke is save it, save it. Don't talk yeah. about it. Save it for even the episode. And, you know, we didn't talk about what we we're going to say with you. Who knows where it's no. going. And again, the, the thing I like about your show, and again, I listen to so many podcasts, so many kiss podcasts, but I, but the thing I like about your show is that like you just said, it's, it obviously people are tuning in to hear kiss stuff, right? Yeah. Kiss stories and, Kiss happenings and kiss news, blah, blah, blah. But you could hear that anywhere. Personality is what sells shows. Personality is what sells podcasts. So when people tune into you and, and the great guests that you get, they come on because they love your personality. Even with that disgusting Boston accent. They, 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 they disgusting love, Boston accent, Boston. But okay. they, love, they love the banter and the camaraderie that you guys portray. And that's what makes things great. It, it's not about kiss facts and kiss news because that's boring after a while. After five episodes, I don't want to hear that anymore. I tune in to hear you guys, you two talk. And whatever the topic happens to be, great. It doesn't matter what the topic is. That's what makes this show fun. And that's what kind of made my show Z-Rock fun. It yep. didn't matter what the episodes are about or the show is about. It was about... This weird camaraderie that this we, this crazy band ZO2 had together that we we created this comedy just on set every day. And that's even why the show got picked up. We, we just when we pitched the show to IFC, we went in and we were ourselves. We, we were goofy bastards and they, they were trying to sell us this million dollar idea idea. And we were over in the corner, not listening to them eating donuts. We didn't give a shit. And that's kind of what sold the show. So it's it's the same thing. It's the natural personalities of people always come through and is what people want to hear. They don't want to hear fake and put on. Yeah. 
and a couple other things I want to get to before we um, move on to a couple other things we have set up for the show. And that is um, at some point, unfortunately, the show ended. You put out your third album. You put out three albums with Z-Rock. Um, and eventually you guys all went your separate ways. Um, you did some stints with uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, correct? Correct, um, which, is, which is awesome. Yep. And you've also landed on Broadway, which is part of your story, which is, you know, it says a drummer's journey from rock and roll to TV to Broadway. <laughs> and you ended up on Broadway. Um, you want to tell us real quickly about that? How you, you know, how you ended up there and if there's any more in, in lined up for your future? Of course. So, you know, after Z rock ended, um, ZO two continued for years and, you know, we, we, we kept going and we, we toured the country and we did create, you know, lots of big concerts and tours and stuff like that. And we, so we were still having a great time, but at that time in my life, I had just had my, my daughter and it, you know, it was, it was hard for me to tour the country so much anymore. And it was just something where that, you know, something like touring and being on the road constantly was something that it it was just getting harder for me to do. So I was looking for other avenues to pursue my musical career. And you know, I, I always, like I said, like you said earlier, I, Dave, my bass player, was in a band called Trans-Siberian Orchestra. He was the touring bass player for that band. Yeah. I just happened to be the backup drummer for them for years at this point. So I would never tour with them. But just in case they needed me, I was always on call. I was on retainer. And one of the musicians in that band with in, in the backup band with me named Or Matias was starting a show on Broadway. And he asked me if I was interested and it was something that I was looking to get into for a long time, but the Broadway community is so hard to break into. It's just a tight niche community of musicians that to be able to get in there, you have to know someone to get in. So it just so happens that this guy was a music director on one of the new shows that were opening called the great comet. And he asked me to be the drummer on it. And I went down, tried out, got the gig. And sure enough, we did a three-year run. Uh, Josh Groban was the star of the show. You know, J- Josh Groban, yeah. he's yep. superstar. Yeah. And we did a three-year run on Broadway. It was an gr- amazing experience in my life. It was great because it was so different than doing the rock gigs and the touring. It was the gratification of playing live every night. But yet, I had a sold-out show. I never had to set up my gear. I never had to travel with gear. I never <laughs> had to travel at all. And I would sleep in my bed the same every night with my family. So it was it was my world's combining, making this perfect opportunity for me. And at that time, I live in New Jersey now, and I was traveling to Manhattan every night. And that's actually the time that I wrote the book we've been speaking about the whole time. I, I actually wrote the book traveling back and forth from my Broadway gig for three years. And just on the bus with my laptop or even on my notes app on my phone, I would jot down stories throughout my life and it just became this book. How awesome is that? Very cool. Very cool yeah. stuff. So um, just to kind of summarize, obviously we'll get into what you're doing now, but I, I will tell you this. Um, the, the story is basically a feel good story. There are three points. I texted you. I think each time that the, 
the book brought tears to my eye. Oh yeah. Um, the, you know, you lost three people in the, in, in the story amongst many that you actually lost in your life in the story, but the three that get to me the most, uh, your poor dog, your, your mom. And I didn't know about David. Me neither. So that, that, when that, I that. read that, my heart dropped at the end of this. Cause I, f- I figured when I read this book, you'd tell me some stories about you guys. Oh yeah. We got a gig coming up or something like that. So can you imagine for me reading that? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I had to end up like, you know, looking up, going to see his Facebook page, reading more about him, and then taking a second look. And then when I start watching, like, you know, at what you were saying and reading about him and then watching Z rock more closely. Yep. And he, he seemed like such a, a character and, uh, a happy kind of go lucky guy, obviously a good looking guy got a lot of the ladies and that was his character on the show. So I'm assuming that was a little bit similar to how he was in real life. That was definitely real life. And that was easily the hardest part of the book that I wrote, even though, you know, my mom and stuff, losing my mom, I knew that going into writing the book, that that part was going to come up and it was so hard to write. And the audio book was even harder, but with the stuff with David that actually happened right towards the end of me writing the book. So I actually, I actually had to go back and insert that part into the book, into the timeline and kind of weirdly close that chapter in a way I never thought was going to be, be done in the book. You know, I was, I was ending that chapter in a, in a different note in, in the original version of the book. But then when David passed away in 2017, Right, I was right as I was finishing writing the book, I had to rethink everything, and I, you know, I didn't go back and change stories before that, and I didn't go back and change my portrayal of him or his brother because I didn't think that would be genuine. All mm-hmm. I did was I, ha- I had to add in the the obviously the tragedy that happened, and you know, for people who don't know, he was on tour with a, with his new band, Adrenaline Mob, and. He was off the side of the road and his RV at the time got clipped by by a truck and he lost his life. And it was something, you know, I could still see the day in, in the, the day in my memory that was so vivid talking to his brother and his family. And Jeff Scott Soto was actually the one that called me to tell me the, the actual finality of of his passing. And, and it was just such a heartbreaking story to tell in the book. And again, in the audio book was even harder. So it was just such a weird thing to do after telling all these funny stories of Xerox. And like you yeah. said, this, this goofy guy is a ladies man throughout the whole book and fun stories of him throughout the, the stories. And then having to kind of button this with this tragedy was, was heartbreaking. And it's, and it's, and it's, it was amazing reading that because it was such a gut punch, not seeing it coming. And it was weird because I was familiar with adrenaline mob, not, you know, I didn't know a ton about them, but I knew who they were. And I actually, it took me, I, that section of the book reminded me of when that happened, because I remember that incident happened, happening. I didn't know who the person was who was killed, but I remember that was kind of a big unfortunate event in the rock world because adrenaline mob was kind of a, a band on the scene at the time. And then when you explained it, that he was in adrenaline mob, I was like, Jesus Christ. I remember that incident happening 
but obviously I didn't know at the time who it was until you kind of explained it. And it was that like, like Zeus said, that was, uh, that was just, that was very, very, very sad to, to read and, and condolences to you for losing such a, a, an important person in your life. Yeah. Um, the other, other thing I asked off the record before we started, I asked you, Hey, do you still talk to Paulie Z? And what did you say? I, I, of course. I mean, obviously, Paulie and I are still great friends. Paulie's out in L.A. He lives out in, and he's been in, out in L.A. for a couple of years now, but we're still in touch constantly. And obviously, this tragedy weirdly brought us even closer. And, you know, we, we're doing tribute concerts all the time for David and we're doing memorial concerts. And, and uh, he has a foundation for David right now through a college that we, we support all the time. And, you know, we're, we're constantly in touch doing stuff like that and keeping David's and ZO2's memory alive. So yes, if anything, I'm closer to Paulie than now than I've ever been. That's great. And Paulie does a, a little bit. Uh, not only did he play Paul Stanley in a cover band, but Paulie plays Paul Stanley in his Facebook live videos where he's a uh, part time <laughs> rocker and part time cook, as we <laughs> documented in our backstage yep. pass review, oh, which God. is our probably most listened to episode because people love how we bashed poor well, Paul Stanley in his cooking first well, that, you boil the water yeah i think that was the episode where people finally figured out what kind of podcast we are after that episode <laughs> but, but paulie's a good cook hear. good for him yeah but pe- you know people don't want to hear you know the kiss ass i love everything kiss does i love paul stanley right right i lo- oh my god did you see the way he wiped his ass tonight it was perfect yeah, that's exactly. not what you know pe- people don't want to hear that people want to hear true guys talking about the band that they love yeah. And sometimes they're going to hate you and disagree with everything you say. And sometimes they're going to love everything you say. And that's what the greatest things about Kiss fans are. It's not about, you know, agreeing on everything all the time. It's not about loving Vinnie Vincent or hating Vinnie Vincent. You know what I mean? Yep, it's yep. about loving and appreciating this band every which way that you have such a passion that you could hate something so hard like The Elder or Vinnie <laughs> Vincent. Or love something so much like the elder of any Vincent. So yep. it's that's the stuff that brings everyone in. So you mean you don't want to go on a kiss cruise and have the opportunity to ask him a question and say, Paul, what's your favorite type of pasta? <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> hey Tommy, did you have any did you have any odd jobs growing up uh while you were a youth? Oh, fascinating. I that I have their attention, and that's the fucking Kiss ass question. I'm going to ask. I mean, what yeah, but the- I, I, you know, we spoke. I don't know if we spoke about this off air. Or we were already recording. That's the type of stuff that Kiss is missing the boat on. Oh Kiss, yeah, Kiss is so corporate and controlled. That's the only questions that they'll accept. They don't exactly. want to. They don't want you to ask them about, you know, Eric Carr's death or you know right. what you, when you guys are doing the conventions tour, were you bankrupt at that time? They don't want to answer those questions. Ooh. You know what I mean? They don't, they, you know, they don't want to hear that stuff. They All they want to know is where the greatest ask me about my pasta and move on. <laughs> Nailed it. Yep. Yep. Anyways, um, Joey, honestly, we could do a part two of this book, <laughs> right? But the best way I think we can do something about this book is to promote it. And, and guys, uh, we're telling you, you are going to love this book like we did. We wouldn't give this much time to somebody and talk about his book and his story if we didn't believe in it. 
um, if we didn't actually think that his story is that interesting. You know us. We don't fucking give <laughs> foot rubs to anybody. Um, we fell in love with this book. And I think, um, you know, that anybody picks this thing up will will agree. So what Joey decided uh, to do for us today um, was to offer a couple free copies of the book. So we came up with something to make this not just as easy as a slam dunk as email us, but we're saying email us and tell us, this is kind of a quiz question. What is the episode title on season two of Z rock with Chris Jericho? Am I correct? Yeah. And you can email us at shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. And Joey will give away uh, one printed copy of the book and one audio copy of the book. The only problem with the audio copy of the book is that you have to listen to his voice read the book to you. So I don't know if you want to win that prize, but, you know, it's still a prize. But no, we thank thank Joey for for that cool offer. So, again, what is the title of the episode with Chris Jericho, season two of Z-Rock? Email us that. At shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. First two that send us something with the correct will get one will get a free copy uh, audio, and one will get a hard copy book that will be sent to you uh, via Joey. So please um, send those emails in. Uh, Joey, uh, we usually do a question after our topic, which was you. Um, Tom. What's the question this week? Real quick, if before we get into the question, um, I just have one non-book oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, I, just, sure. uh, I just want you to comment on, Joey. Um, I think it was maybe about a week ago on your social media. I think I saw it on your Twitter that in conjunction with uh, Eric Carr's family, it looks like you might be bringing his cartoon Rockheads to life. Can you just real quick talk about what's going on with that? Because that's pretty exciting. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not sure if anyone knows. Obviously, Kiss fans out there probably do know, but Eric Carr was working on a a cartoon animated series called The Rockheads right before he passed. And it was really a passion project of his. It was about this kid rock band um, that was basically taking over the world. And his sister, Loretta, contacted me years ago and we've been developing that show ever since from Eric's original drawings original artwork, original storyboards, original music. We've we've been developing that show to bring to life, to hopefully see the light of day on network one day. And you can see the trailer online right now. It's called The Rockheads. There's original music. It's all based off of Eric's original drawings and original concepts. If, if you really want a, uh, a grasping of it, it's basically Scooby-Doo meets the Beatles. It's what if this little kid rock band had to solve mysteries like Scooby-Doo used to do. And it's with music and Eric's original music. It's it's out of this world. It's one of the most original things you'll ever see. We have a trailer online. You can find it on YouTube. Just type in the the Rockheads. You can find it on my YouTube channel, Sada Entertainment, S-A-T-T-A Entertainment. Just type in the Rockheads. You'll see it. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, we're going to get into uh, more plugs, though. I was saying we're oh, going to yeah. get to more plugs and talk about more of your stuff. But Tom, did you have another question to wrap up? Uh, no, we can get on to uh, the listener question if we want to get into that segment. So, okay. What okay. do you got, buddy? 
All right, so this is this comes from a very big fan of the show and a very uh, a, a, a new friend of Zeus, perhaps, and that's Mister Gary Cap off Ooh. of Facebook. Oh, thumbs down to Gary Cap from Joey. What the <laughs> no, hell is that? Thumbs down. No, thumbs down. No, thumbs down to Zeus fan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So th- we, we get, a, we have a lot of questions that we could have gotten to, but some of them would have turned into probably 30 minute kiss discussion. So I picked a question that can kind of be answered pretty quickly. And it'll be kind of an interesting insight to everybody. So Gary's Gary's has a desert Island question. We all love these since 2020 has basically put all of us on a desert Island with the virus. What would be the three albums that you can Ooh. only play until this crisis is over. Now he spe- he says any artist, but yeah, sorry, let's keep it a kiss. this is a kiss podcast, three kiss albums. The only ones you can listen to Joey, you're the guest. You wait, go first. Wait, wait, wait. The lawyer has to jump in. Are we doing studio albums? Doesn't matter. Compilation, anything, anything in the kiss. Discography? Ooh, that changes things. Anything, ahead, in the, anything in the kiss discography. So just so you know, my three albums would be Kiss albums anyway. You did not have to specify that. I mean, ah, I'm not choosing any, it. you know. So my first record would absolutely be Alive 2. Okay. Kiss Kiss Alive 2 is my number one record of all time. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, from there, it's hard to choose because, you know, Rock and Roll Over is my favorite studio album, but I don't, I'm not sure I want to choose that because I'm going to get some repeats. So I might go Kiss Alive 2. Kiss Alive One, which has all the first, you know, the first three albums on it, obviously. And then I'm going to probably go Creatures. So my three albums would probably be Kiss Alive One, Kiss Alive Two, and Creatures of the Night. Excellent. Okay. Zeus. I think I feel like I have to do compilations because I don't want to give away my favorite albums. Okay. That's okay. Go ahead. Um, I I would see. I don't want to say fucking double platinum. Why? Because, because Double Platinum had some bad versions of good songs. But it also had Disco Strutter. <laughs> but it, you know, it, had the, it had the best version of Hard Luck Woman. That, that's true. Yep. Okay. You, get the, you know the difference between the Hard Luck Woman from Double Platinum and the album, Joey? Of course. The drums oh, yeah. don't come in, right? Thank you. Thank you. So um, I would say the... Um, I would definitely say alive because okay. that cover. You're right. We're we're kind of cheating here. I would say alive. Um, I would say maybe I go, maybe I go um, alive. This is for the qu- quarantine's over. Three albums. Right, so I'm not stuck with life with this. Maybe oh I would God. say Hopefully not. <laughs> uh, alive. Um, icons. I'm cheating. You're re- now you're really cheating. I mean, icons, re- really? Because I'm getting an on. album of everybody. Holy and you know shit. what else I would pick? Because I don't listen to it enough, and I want to hear it a little more. Um, Kiss Alive Four, the symphony. Oh God, I want to try it. I want to try it more. I have the opportunity. It's only temporary, so that's the reason why I'm picking it. Your okay. choices so, are terrible. Terrible. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to hearing that. So no, so correct me if I'm wrong. You pick no studio albums. No, because I don't want to okay. give away what my favorite albums are. Okay, all right. Well, anybody that's been listening to this show since day one, everybody knows my favorite album is <laughs> yeah, Love Gun. I know. So there's no surprise there. So automatically Love Gun. Um, after that, I think uh, I think I'm going to go Paul Stanley solo album. Okay. And and 
I, I want to take a live album, but I, I, I think dynasty. No, I, this is a, I thought you definitely a, take it. This is a hard one for me because I kind of want to span all the eras. Like Joey, like Joey didn't want to take rock and roll over. Cause a lot of that is on a live too. Like I don't, I would take a live too, but that's got almost all a love gun. So I, I, I think I might go with a live three. I know that sounds crazy, but that, but I love, I love, that's my second favorite kiss lineup other than the originals that Bruce Kulik, uh, Eric singer lineup. So I think I might go that because it's a live album and it spans a lot of their library that, you know, that a live one and two don't have, but a, cu- a couple repeats, you know, deuce and rock and roll night and stuff. So I think I'm going to go love gun, Paul Stanley solo alive three. But the other thing, the problem I have with Joey's pick, because I got to give some shots back <laughs> rock and roll over <laughs> the best songs on rock and roll over, in my opinion, are not on uh, alive too. Well, okay, I don't know about yeah. the best songs. I mean, you got I want you Mr. on Steve, there, right? I mean, love them, leave them. Yeah, those yeah. right there. Okay, but, so for me, those are Baby Driver. I love those songs. Um, what do you call it? Take me, dude. Yeah. You picked you picked the live four. Your your, your <laughs> argument is your argument is mute. <laughs> a live four, so that I can hear it more and appreciate it, because I want one album and the, that I already uh, have icons. No, so I don't. Start, I have more songs than you guys do. When you're on a desert island, you don't try out an I'm album. I'm not on a desert exactly. island. I'm not stuck for life. I'm stuck for a month. Let uh, me test out this Barry Manilow album while I'm deserted well, hey, on this island. No bad mouth in Barry Manilow. That man is a genius. Come on now. Any questions? Yeah, I got a question. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? Barry Manilow sucks, dude. Come on. Dare you. Um, anyway, so we did that. Now, we usually go and ask Plugs. Plugs, what are you up to? Where can people find you? Where can they find your book, your shows, your music, everything else that you're doing? I'm all over social media, like you guys said before. I'm at Joey Casada on all the platforms, at J-O-E-Y. C-A-S-S-A-T-A on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can find all the stuff that I'm doing on all those platforms. I'm constantly posting updates on what I'm doing, whether it's you know past, present, future, whatever I'm up to on all those platforms. You can purchase the book on Amazon.com. Just type in either my name, Joey Casada, or Start With The Dream, A Drummer's Journey to from Rock and Roll to TV to Broadway. Uh, you could find that on Amazon. You could find the regular copy on Amazon, and you can find the Audible audio book on Amazon, or you can go on iTunes and find the audio book on iTunes. Same thing. Type in "Start with the Dream" or Joey Casada. Awesome, perfect, awesome. Um, anything else as far as um, so uh, music, acting, anything like that coming down the pipes for you? Yes. Yeah, so I'm again, so much. I'm always up to way too many projects than I, than I have the right to be doing, especially during this crisis. I'm, I'm trying to get as much done as possible. Like, like we were talking earlier, play with my kids all day long, do homeschooling all day long, but I'm up all night long doing projects. And, you know, I'm currently writing my second book right now. I, I don't want to give away exactly what it's going to be about, but it's, it's more of a comedy type, funny type stories book. And it's, it's, it's going to be great. It should be, I have most of it done already and I'm hoping to have it done by midsummer, maybe even released by the, by midsummer and summer. I'm doing that. 
I'm touring with Eric Martin from Mr. Big. We do we do shows across the country. We had, a, of course, a lot of shows booked this summer that have been postponed indefinitely and or canceled. So be on the lookout for me across the country with Eric Martin. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly doing recording. We're doing some broad, more Broadway stuff coming up. But like I said, social media is, is the best way to follow me and figure out what I'm up to next. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Excellent. Tom, where can people find us besides this podcast? Yeah, so we gave our email address, shoutoutloudcast at gmail.com. We're on all the social medias. If you're listening to us, you follow us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Podcast is everywhere. Obviously, you're listening to us, but uh, if your platform of choice is available, uh, we're on all the big ones. We're also part of that excellent Pantheon podcast family that we talk about all the time. It's not just us. Tons of great uh, music shows, all different genres all different types of uh, hosts there. So it's check, check us out, check them out. Um, and you know, we're always around. Yeah. And uh, give us one of those five star child reviews. Uh, when you find our podcast on Podchaser, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find us. Uh, we appreciate that. It helps put us out there for everybody to find us. And if you ever listen to uh, one of Joey's uh, videos or anything like that, or anything like that, give him a five-star child review as well. Um, we have a couple um, reviews that we're going to read real quickly. Uh, I got one uh, one from uh, Aces High, gave us a couple five-star reviews on Pod Chaser. And I think we got one here. I'm going to read one here. Uh, the Jericho episode is the title. <laughs> hey guys, just finished the latest Jericho episode. Well, well done. The whole non-makeup tourney was great. Do me a favor. Now, I'll explain to you after this. When we meet Jericho on the Kiss Cruise, Uh-oh. don't tell him I'm related to Sonny. I hate to get <laughs> body slammed onto the high seas. That's from his brother, Danny. Nice. And Jericho may do that. So (laughs) absolutely. Uh, Tom, do you have anything you want to read? Yeah, we got a couple, a couple quick emails here. So this one comes from Dan Reuven and he says, I love the podcast and the content as a longtime kiss fan and having gone backstage at two of the New York city area end of the road tour shows, love the insight and all the great stuff. Um, and then he talks about the, uh, the, the tournament, um, the brackets and everything. Uh, he says, by the way, I agree with Jericho. I love the revenge lineup. And my first kiss album was alive three. Excellent. That's a good one. And then we got, we got one today, um, from a friend of the show, Angelo Capasso. He, he writes <laughs> us a lot and we appreciate his, but, um, th- this, this, this email was, this, this what was, was the a, title this, of the email. Uh, one, two, three sides. No way. That's the title of the email. <laughs> yeah, gotta get a couple fucking posters. Yeah. So th- this this is a good this is a good one. He says, "Well, guys, I tried so hard to listen to other Kiss podcasts, and trust me, I run two hours every morning, listening seven days a week, and I struggle with every other one. You guys ruined it for me. I started with the best, and nothing out there matches you guys. We appreciate that, but there's plenty of other awesome Kiss podcasts out there. But thank you for putting us number one." Uh, I'm actually replaying most of your kiss casts. You have what Gene says, charisma. Oh, terrible. Then he song. says, then he this then he has some kind words. Keep up the great work. You may not realize this, but both of you are really doing a wonderful service. 
by taking our minds away for a few hours a week during these very scary times that we are living in. For a few hours each week, you guys put a smile on my face. I push play and you take me away to a fun educational trip with the greatest band ever. Be safe and keep doing what you are doing. It really does matter. One last thing. You skipped the part. Even your old Stonehill days interest me. Oh, yeah. I missed that. I missed that. Uh, But, Angelo, we we appreciate that you're a huge fan of the show, and we appreciate those kind words and the fact that anybody would look to us to take your mind off of the chaos is uh, maybe the greatest compliment we could ever get, and and we appreciate that. Um, So, Kind words from our listeners. We always appreciate that. Yeah. And the one last. Are you sure that wasn't Zeus's mom that wrote that? (laughs) That would be in Greek. And Tommy can't read it. Um, Well, Joey, we remember how you were saying certain bands pay to be on tour. We pay these people to email us. So and to like us, do all our things. I didn't get get my check, by the way. I I don't think I received the check. Yeah, you're going to get a huge check from us. Um, (laughs) So one of the things that we were saying. Last week, Jericho, your buddy, was mentioning as entertainer, he loves, you know, doing this during this time because this is what he can do. He's not a firefighter, but he can do his small part. And we're trying to do our small part by doing more episodes and putting more entertainment out there. But the funny part was your buddy was plugging your book and he gave you a couple of shots. But he did have your book on his Saturday night special that he was doing. And there I was watching it. And then all of a sudden, I'm while I'm watching, I see Joey Casada has joined. I'm like, ah, Joey's seeing it. And you got a shitload of requests for your book. Thanks to your good friend, Chris. Uh, he hooked me up good. Even though he didn't, that son of a bitch didn't have an actual copy of the book. He had a printout of it. <laughs> That he he was holding up like a screenshot <laughs> yeah. of the book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, a piece uh, of paper. He printed the cover up like right. Yeah, a, a laser printer that he couldn't even cut out the the edges of it. He had to hold up. <laughs> Stupid bastard. But no, he's great. I, I'm the official sponsor of Jericho's Saturday Night Special. I'm going to be making an appearance in a couple of weeks, so tune in. Yeah. But, uh, he he's great. He's awesome. Oh, of course. All right. awesome. yeah. yeah, of course. So then that's when you'll be pushing us out there too, right? Of course, right? Maybe we'll see. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to hold up the, the uh, Xerox uh, copy of you guys too. That's <laughs> it. Of <laughs> what? Our mugs? going to scare his listeners. Um, so, guys, I, I mean, we usually end this with famous last words. So we're going to hand this over to you. Do you have any famous last words, Kiss Songs? For me? Uh, yeah, the other Joey over here. <laughs> well, you didn't say Joe, you stupid fuck. I'm going to kill you, you fuck. <laughs> this is what happens. You can't bring Boston and New York together. I can't believe we lasted uh, this, this gonna get uh, This is going to get ugly. But we waited to the so, fucking last minute. But go ahead. <laughs> so listen, K- Kiss lyrics have been inspiring me my whole life. So, that, you know, to choose Kiss lyrics that really resonate with me it was it was hard it was a hard choice i listen to you guys all the time and i knew you're going to ask this question so you know i had a couple choices but i went this way and tell me if you know where i'm coming from i'm never going to stop i'm never going to give up in the fight because after the battle is done all you got left is your pride now see did Jericho make you do that? Because I think that's one of his favorite songs, and I love that song, and Zeus hates it. Dude. I love that song. Serious? 
That is, it no, is. That is the fakest shit. That is Paul Stanley's. We can do it. Like, come I'm going to talk like I talk, walk like I walk. My, my way. way. Oh, sure you are. Beautiful. I'm totally sorry about that. I'm, I'm on the I'm on Chris Jericho's cruise with him and we're up in his suite getting destroyed one night and, you know, everyone's hammered beyond belief and we're listening to, you know, a Spotify playlist and I'm screaming at him. I want to hear my way. I even want to hear like the, the vocal only version oh, no. of my no, way. I'm screaming at him that, that I want to hear this and we're fighting because he won't play it because he's telling me if I play that, everyone is leaving. And me and you are going to be sitting here <laughs> hugging like idiots, listening to it, and everyone else is going to be gone. And I don't go that way. You know what I'm saying? And he wouldn't play it. Oh. That is funny. So even he knows, yeah, that's that's a fucking personal favorite. I'm not playing that at a party. <laughs> Good for him. We, now, when, we had, when we had him on for the kiss non, when we, for, the, for our draft... He's like, oh, you guys got to hear this. It, it's my way with just vocals. And me and Zeus are like, what the fuck? Like, I, I don't know him yet well enough to just say, what the fuck did you do to make my ears bleed? What the fuck is this horrible shit? But it's funny. You know what, Joey? That gives me a good idea. We should have you on for one of our kiss drafts. Oh, absolutely. Hold everything. Speaking of this fucking kiss draft, Zeus, just so everyone knows... I should be the winner of this. And here's why. Oh, the Zeus sends me this. Okay. The bra- yes. The bra- no, that's why. Oh, I'm sorry. The brackets. Yes. I'm sorry. The oh. brackets. Zeus sends me this bracket. Now, when I fill out the bracket, I'm picking what I like. I'm not picking to win. He doesn't me give me too. any. He doesn't tell me any information. Oh, we're picking, you know, whoever votes for the most songs here gets points. And he doesn't tell me the whole story. He just says, hey, dude, fill out this bracket. And of course, just like everyone else did, except for, you know, maybe him. They filled it out with their personal favorites. Nobody picked the Kiss Hard favorites like he did. <laughs> I so, only picked it because I know the sheep. That's what they're going to do every yeah, fucking you know, time. But you know the rules beforehand. No, You don't tell anyone the rules. People say Unholy's the best song in that era. Then they'll win. No, no, what he, what jo- Joey, Joey did what I did. I didn't pick a bracket to win. I picked my own personal fun bracket. Pick two. Yeah, because you're a cheater. 37 <laughs> points, the real one I wanted. I had next, mil- br- next bracket. Now I know how you rig it to, to, you know, to suit your own needs there. Next it's bracket the- you do, I win. But, yeah, Joe, I but, Joey, but Joey, what Zeus originally says, the next time we have a kiss draft, We'll have you on to be to be part of that draft. So we'll, yeah. we'll pick up we'll pick a we'll pick a topic and have you on that. So absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, oh. so so we're veering off on the famous last words as usual here. So no, he did. He did my way. You oh me oh okay all right. So one of my favorite songs in honor of Dynasty, which I did not pick as a Desert Island disc. I don't know how shame on me, but Gene famous words from Gene. One day you'll see. You'll come crawling back to me. I'm your one and only. That's a fact. <laughs> one of the best songs by Gene. I love Charisma. I'm sorry, X-Ray Eyes. X-Ray Eyes. Love that song. I, I like that song, too. Yeah. They played it once live, you know? I know. Um, Dynasty's underrated. Oh, I Dynasty love is underrated. Dynasty's very underrated. Love it. Absolutely. So, um, 
I may end up in jail if I said these words out loud at a certain place. Uh-oh. I don't usually say things like this to girls your age. <laughs> when I saw you coming out of school that day, hey, that day I knew, I knew I've got to have you. I've got to have you. Dude, I would be locked up so fucking <clears throat> fast if I ever said these words out loud in front of anybody. Of- 1977 was a different time. Oh Please somehow grab the video from this call. Because the video is way creepier than the actual voice. Because <laughs> he was le- he was leaning into that mic and that screen, and his tongue was like and you saw the spit coming out. He was like drooling all over himself. It was it was absolutely disgusting. <laughs> like like as though I've said this before or done this before. Is that what you're saying? Oh yes. Yeah. Perfect, Joey. It's been an honor, privilege, and a lot of fun having you on. Um, you're a good paisan from, uh, New York. Uh, we'd enjoyed it. You're welcome back on anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Kiss army. Thank you, Tom. Joey, this has been such a blast. And for a supersized guest like Joey, we got a supersized episode here. We hope you guys enjoy this. We've been talking forever. This is what happens when you get three loud mouths from the Northeast together. Um, this has been such a blast and, uh, we, we can't wait to have you back. Thank you so much for taking the time and for putting together this amazing book. Boys, thanks so much for having me. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I, I love everything you do. Keep doing it. Uh, and I, and I, I'll be tuning in every week. And Thank don't you, buddy. Forget everybody out there, go send in an email. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com and give us the episode of the Jericho episode from Z-Rock season two name. And you'll get a copy of Joey's book, one audio and one uh, hard copy. And... Thank you again for listening. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 